Hello there guys and welcome to not only an extra special episode of Genuine Chit Chat but also one that is released one day early. How about that? So this week uh, it's actually being released like this because it's being released on the feed of Comics in Motion as well which is where my other podcast Star Wars Comics in Canon airs every Saturday and we basically did this big five person discussion on Zack Snyder's Justice League and it was amazing. I volunteered to host and to edit because I wanted to be a cheeky bugger and so this is the episode for this week. Uh, any patrons will get extra content on the Sunday, uh, just, you know, afterthoughts and that sort of usual jazz, but let's just give a little bit of information before we get started. So in brief, we talk about our thoughts on the 2017 Justice League, and then we review the, Ju- the Snyder Cut, you know, step by step, uh, how it was released, its plot, the characters, favourite and least favourite moments, epilogue scenes, and the future of the DC and the DCEU. Now joining me is Chris Phelps and Dave Horrocks of the TV and movie show on Comics Emotion. They are also the founders of the Comics Emotion uh, podcast before it was even like a network or a family. They're the OG. And obviously they do also have the VHS Strikes Back podcast and Chris and Dave's reality also joining us is Max Byrne of Mandatory Marvel and DC, another show you can find on Comics in Motion, as well as Steve J. Ray, who's been on basically every episode of Genuine Chit Chat in the last month, which was not intentional, but it just seems to have fallen that way, and he is also the host of the Superheroes for Dummies podcast, which is found on the Comics in Motion. And also it's worth mentioning that there are going to be spoilers in this. I would hope that a two hour long discussion on a film would be, (laughs) probably you should know there's going to be spoilers about this, but just in case, there are going to be spoilers. So that's really going to be it for me, guys, at the start here. I'll be back at the end to give more information and whatnot, but in the description there are links to people's Twitters, and I've made a little list of all of the people in this episode, whatever episodes they've been on of Genuine Chit Chat separately as well. There's a link to a Jimmy Kimmel video that Chris mentioned, and a few other bits and pieces as well. But I'll be back at the end to give you more information on that sort of stuff. So here we go, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. And I'm your host, Mike Burton. Alrighty then, so we are here with a five-person roundtable discussion on Snyder's, well, Zack Snyder's Justice League. And I'm joined by... Uh, we're gonna have some. We're gonna have some fun. I think we've got uh, people on different sides of how we sort of view it in what levels. But um, let's go through the roster. So I'll start with Steve J. Ray. Say hello to everyone. Hello to everyone. <laughs> Wonderful. Cool, Chris. Hello. I was often thinking, who's Chris? That's me. Hello. <laughs> Just to make sure everyone gets a vague idea of who's talking. So when people get shit on the internet for saying things about this film, I'm not the one. <laughs> it's right. It's probably going to be Chris or Dave. So let's just push it all on them. Uh, speaking of which, Dave Horrocks, say hello. <laughs> hey there. Cheers for having me on, Mike. And I have to say, I'm delighted, obviously, to discuss this one with everyone. Uh, I'm even more delighted that you're going to be editing this one. So <laughs> hats off to you, sir. That's the only way I can get away with trying to vaguely moderate. because it's just level thinking. I know, it's, that's it. You try, I try and like I organise a moderate because then when I'm done I'm like guys it's getting to the point now I can't be asked to edit this anymore so you two yeah. shut up <laughs> and you start talking no obviously joking and last but certainly not least Max say hello hello there very happy to be here with such handsome and distinguished gentlemen to discuss a film that's very dear to my heart so hats off and me 
And Steve. Yeah, and Steve. (laughs) (laughs) I should have got Max in the intro, because Max, I think, has got the reputation here for the best intros of any podcast on the planet. So I really should have asked you to do this, Max, but... He's a smooth criminal. Oh, I'm, I'm a, at my age, I can do it once a night. So in doing four, doing four intros uh, would would be uh, stretching it that. thin. Yes. Oh, Max, you can get blue tablets for that. Yeah, yeah. With a with a good run up, maybe. <laughs> Oh god, um, I can't wait for this. I've been looking forward to this all day and things, doing a lot of. Uh, I call it research, but just kind of. Just vaguely trying to think, how much of this can I remember of the four hours? So it's going to, that's part in why I was like, I'm going to take the moderator side of things as well a little bit, because I don't think I'm going to be doing the most of the talking, which is almost never happens in my life. So we shall see. Um, Are we taking bets on that? Well, well, I'll be editing it. So I'll say yes, I'll talk the least. I'll just cut out everything I say. I'll I'll cut myself up. I'll do the, we'll have the mic cut of the the Justice League talk and the non-mic cut (laughs) with or that me. Um, Awesome. So obviously this is going to go out, I think, on the Comics and Motion feed and it's going to be on Genuine Chit Chat as well for because one, I want to do a chat on Genuine Chit Chat about Snyder Cut and two, because I'm I'm editing it. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to spend, I'm not going to edit more than two podcasts in one week screw that so there we go i'm being lazy to the listeners um so let's get started then by talking about the infamous joss whedon cut of the justice league uh now i'll start by saying i remember watching this at cinema i personally thought it was all right i didn't hate it but after watching it it was that kind of level where i was like i don't hate it and i don't love it but there's no reason i would ever want to you know, sit down and watch it again because to me it was just like hey it's the avengers but worse in every way and unlike batman vs superman or man of steel it didn't have the same you know sort of weight to it for obvious reasons so let's start at the top and then i will change the order around and things but i started with steve uh saying hello so we'll start there and then i'll go round as the questions go on so steve what did you think of the original justice league much like yourself mate to be honest i didn't hate it i just Felt a little bit let down because um, I did like Man of Steel and Batman vs Superman a lot, particularly when they released the longer version of Batman vs Superman. Again, I didn't dislike the, the shorter one. So I just thought it just felt like DC were trying to be Marvel rather than just be themselves. And I, I've been quoted many times by saying I do like some ice cream and that's how I see the Marvel movies. They're good fun light entertainment but then i also like a bit of nice raw bloody steak and that's how i saw the dc movies and joss whedon's justice league was like steak flavored ice cream it just did not work Uh, i was watching a film and because i've seen so many films i could just spot the difference whenever a a whedon scene came in and it was like frankenstein had, had, had cut this film together bright and garish Zack Snyder, dark and moody, bright and Gary, Zack Snyder, dark and moody. So it was just a, a film that jarred with me, but I have seen a lot worse. So mm. yeah, didn't hate it, didn't love it. It's okay. Okay, fair. Not anymore though. I'll watch it again. <laughs> yeah, well, now the conversation, obviously, having it would almost have been worth doing that conversation beforehand and then after. But I mean, two gentlemen here, Chris and Dave, they did actually do that. So let's go, Chris. What did uh, what were your just general sort of impressions of Joss Whedon's uh, Justice League? Um, Having watched it recently, and I've, I've, I end up going on YouTube, and there's a few bits that I love the set pieces. I love when super, you know, I'm an absolute Superman. He's my favourite. So the sucker punches Superman's in, 
and we get the John Williams score twice in that movie, which I have a big problem with in this in this Snyder Cut. But uh, I'm a sucker for that because Superman 2 is my favourite superhero film. Really enjoyed it. There's some bits I always go to and watch it, but as watching it again as a film, as a two-hour movie, it's just so many things just clumped together. And I think Steve's right. You, you can sit now, now I can genuinely see where they've mixed stuff in. Like me and Dave, our first ever reviews on the Comics Emotion was Superman 1 and 2. And we were, I actually went back and said to Dave, I'm going to watch the Donner Cut. And I'm like, oh my God, why did I bother? You know, because I loved Superman 2. And, and, and it's like, it just didn't work. But you can clearly see where they've, they've, these two films put into, like a one film put into two at certain points. And with this, that's what I just felt. I felt a bit disappointed. However, I, I agree with Steve. Man of Steel, I, I absolutely love. I adore Man of Steel. Unfortunately, my co-host, Mr. Horrocks, hated it, but I love it. And Batman v Superman, the extended one, I tried to sell him on that many a times and he still wasn't buying what I was selling. But I think that's a good film as well. This, not as great, but it's watchable. But having watched the Snyder Cut, obviously we'll get into that. Yeah, I don't know whether I'd ever go back and watch it again. Yeah, perfect. Cool. So Dave, next with you. Yeah, so I remember going into this movie and thinking that Warner Brothers had just left themselves too much to do. I couldn't see how they could actually jam everything in i think i think the corporates the suits of the of warner brothers were obviously looking across at marvel and thinking this is a time box thing we have to quickly get a team movie together because avengers had done brilliantly and exceeded all expectations so it's like right how can we quickly jam this all in and so i went in with the expectations they had too much to do and what i saw was kind of a, a bit messy it was a bit up and down but when it's at the cinema i always find i get this euphoric feeling when i'm at the cinema more so than when i'm watching it at home so everything always seems to be a little bit better at the cinema so a little bit like how Stephen chris had said i i didn't particularly hate the movie at all i i just thought well it's batman's doing jokes now and you know the the whole thing with um uh, the lasso of truth around Aquaman. I thought at the time, I thought, oh, it's quite funny. But when I stepped away from it, I was like, yeah, but well, that's completely out of sync with everything else. And so I never watched it again after watching it that first time at the cinema. When we came to watch it again a couple of weeks ago, it got worse <laughs> and it got worse than I even remembered it because it was so lumpy. It was so ridiculously jarring how it went from the, the, the very serious tone to this kind of jokey Joss Whedon type thing. Um, so yeah, it, it aged, even though it's only like four years now, it aged really, really badly for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I couldn't understand that. And last but not least, Max, what were your impressions of the original Justice League when you kind of first saw it in things? And if you've watched it since? Um, yeah, I saw it day one at the cinema. I remember being so excited for it. I booked half a day off work and went straight into town at lunchtime to watch the afternoon show in Manchester. I was so excited and came out thinking, oh, is that it? it I mean, like everyone else has said, I didn't despise the film. I think you know, revisionist history and people's attitude towards Joss Whedon and the kind of man he's been revealed to be over the last few weeks and months has sort of made people look at it in a different light. I mean, it wasn't a terrible film by any stretch of imagination. It's just a weird sort of patchwork of two different styles coming together that don't mix, you know, and just a really bad decision by Warner Brothers to sort of try and 
emulate that MCU kind of feel and the dynamic, and it just felt flat. It didn't work. If they'd have gone that way from the beginning, then maybe, but trying to fit that alongside the footage that Snyder had, had shot and they'd deemed worthy of using for that cut alongside the weird and stuff, it just doesn't sit well. And there's so much ground not covered during the course of that two-hour film. It's too short a film to fit that many characters, especially when you're basically introducing three new characters in full at the time. Anyway, Aquaman, Flash and Cyborg hadn't really been featured at all prior to that film. So you're introducing three new big hitters and you're not covering the ground you need to with those guys. They're just kind of thrown in. There they are. So no, a very much a disappointment. Not terrible. I mean, I've seen it a few times since. I bought the Blu-ray and I've watched it with my little boy a few times and, you know, he's six years old, so he, he likes it. But um, for me, no, not great. I'm just glad we're now where we're at with a, a version that, well, personally speaking, anyway, it's horses for courses. But for me, I love the, the new version. If I could just add in as well, because obviously Joss Whedon is a piece of shit right now and he's you know coming in for a lot of <laughs> stick. So, mm. and I've, I hear a lot of people referring to this as the Justice League. The 2017 <laughs> release still has Zack Snyder's name on. Whedon didn't shoot enough to be credited as the director. I'm not letting him off the hook, but I think there's a lot of people behind the scenes pushing for that two-hour mark and pushing this to be an Avengers-type movie that just meant you just there was just too much story to get into that two hours. So the book stops with Whedon, as far as the zeitgeist goes, but I think there's, there's people behind the scenes which, you know, who definitely contributed to how bad that was oh definitely warner brothers are far more to blame than we was he was just a man doing a job and he's got a lot of the blame for it absolutely right couldn't agree more dave mm, yeah he is quite a, he's obviously with all the stuff that's happened around him it's understandable why he's become the full guy in, in a sense but it is one of those things that we all kind of discuss a little bit on, on discord and things it is that sort of where does the buck fall in a sense and it is one of those things where i think that when because when i first watched you know uh the original justice league and then now i kind of agree with everything that you guys have said that now especially after watching the snyder cut it's like oh now i can really see there's moments where you go yeah that that doesn't make sense and it's funny because dc can make comedies like they made shazam and i wasn't a massive fan of shazam but i I got it and i know a lot of people were a big fan of shazam so it's like you wouldn't make shazam and then try and cut it and make it into a serious film so i think it is that's where the disjointedness comes from so we'll we'll get into sort of the uh general thoughts of of the snyder cut and and whatnot guys Uh, and then you know we'll kind of go from there and it will become a bit more for free for all things at the moment we'll quite one at a time i just wanted that to be at the start and then when we get into the sort of the nuts and bolts we can all go unmuted and all have have at each other Uh, but sticking with this uh sort of one by one thing just for a little bit longer if we start with you and then max what was your uh thoughts of well the the Snyder cut essentially you know Zack Snyder's Justice League what were your thoughts on it uh it met all my expectations and probably surpassed a lot of them as well I you know I've been accused by some people of being like some kind of fawning fanboy when it comes to Snyder and the DCEU in general but you know I can be objective and recognize crap when I see it but um I just was blown away by it for want of a better word it just was Yes, four hours is a long time for a movie. And I think in a cinematic setting, it's, you know, I wouldn't really want to sit for four hours in a cinema screen, but in the in the comfort of one's own, one owns home with the opportunity to pause it and go for a quick toilet break, which at 41 years old is becoming a more frequent occurrence these days, I must admit. Um, 
yeah, I think it worked really well in that home setting in the four hours. And I could have watched even more, you know. And I think, you know, a lot of people have said, well, it's kind of a, a film made for the fans, for more of, you know, to get the most out of it, you've got to be a hardcore fan. But I, I think to some extent that's true. But I don't think if a, a general fan would watch that and not enjoy it. I mean, I watched it with my other half, Sarah, who is a, a casual fan at best, shall we say. And she sat through the whole four hours with me in one hit and, and thoroughly enjoyed it and was talking about it for ages afterwards so i think it's uh, i think it's a home run and it's just a shame that allegedly what if what would appear the comments today from the warner media ceo uh, and sarnoff i think her name is um basically saying that you know they're very happy to have produced this film finally and glad it's been well received but there doesn't really appear to be any plans to further this universe which i think is is something of a shame i'm not one of these restore the snyderverse you know devotees but i i think it is a shame Hmm, very interesting. And I think um, I, it would be Dave's turn, but I'm going to take a, a little, I'm going to control this a little bit more, Dave. Sorry. I'm going to pass over to Steve because I know that Steve and Max, from what I could tell, have a slightly more uh, inline opinion. And I think that, yeah, if we go to Steve first and then we'll go to Dave and then Chris and then I'll I'll tuck in at the end to pick up the scraps of the conversation. <laughs> so Steve, what do you think? <laughs> Again, this was the film we were promised. This was the film I was waiting for. And much like Max, um, I think it delivered it, it, in most ways. I mean, there's no such thing as the perfect film. There's still a couple of tweaks, I would add, but they're minor, as with the Joss Whedon version. Put it this way, much like uh, Max's other half, Sarah, my wife barely tolerates uh, my strange and nerdy habits. But um, I remember clearly as day we went to see Justice League in the cinema, the original version. And she came out and said, well... What was that? I don't quite get it. It was like uh, funny boxes with powers, alien invasion. Haven't we already seen that film? And wasn't it called The Avengers? And I couldn't argue with her. I couldn't argue with in the slightest. And she was asking me so many questions. Well, this character did this, but why are they acting that way? And what's going on with this? We sat down and watched the full four-hour Snyder Cut a couple of days ago as a family, all three of us. Adam and I had already seen it. And she was engrossed from the word go four-hour four movie she didn't ask a single question she got it she said oh that makes so much more sense oh okay oh wow oh that's so good oh so that's why cyborgs this way oh flash oh he's so sweet oh well at least he doesn't fall on wonder woman's tits in this one um <laughs> it's just like a completely different chalk and cheese and she loved it we're still talking about it much like max and sarah are to this day and that's why i think well hey is it just us ultra nerds who do like the darker, slightly more, in inverted commas, realistic superhero films? Or can it be more accessible than I thought? Because I honestly went in thinking, my wife's going to get sick of this after an hour. She's going to say, no, I can't watch this. You guys go ahead. I'm going to go watch the Kardashians upstairs. But no, I was completely blown away by her reaction. And that's made me like the Snyder Cut even more than I already did going in. And it's a film four hours long. I would happily watch again and again and again. I think I might even watch it again tomorrow. Wonderful. And I just want to jump off there and say that I watched it with Megan and Megan is, you know, she she's seen all the MCU and she, I'm slowly getting her to watch a lot of the DC uh, films and stuff as well. And obviously she's into Star Wars, but Harry Potter's her big thing. And she watched the original uh, Justice League. It was completely forgettable when she said, yeah, it was just kind of Avengers, but worse. And she actually, when she watched this, she's 
she wasn't a huge fan of being four hours long, uh, which I understand. Um, but she said, aside from the epilogue, which we'll get into later on, she said, aside from the epilogue, she thought it was actually pretty damn good, which is quite good considering I tried to show her the Watchmen director's cut, which she hated, which very much upsets me because that's one of my favourite films ever. And it's like, no. obviously, yeah, I know, same director. I was like, ah, oh. I was thinking of going in this, like, oh, is she going to hate it because, you know, uh, Zack Snyder's got a sort of his thing. So I was like, oh, I can't just blame the fact she hates Snyder on the fact she hates one of my favourite movies. She just doesn't like Watchmen which is very sad but uh, going to you Dave then what were your sort of initial thoughts on the Snyder Cut I think I'm going to surprise you <clears throat> for me I really enjoyed it I thought it was a far more coherent story I kind of strapped myself in so you go in expecting it to be a four hour movie so I think straight off the bat you, you know you're not kind of like looking at your watch after an hour and thinking come on where is it going you, you're kind of ready there for a, a the long haul aren't you and so yeah I, I don't think it's as Steve said I don't think it's a perfect movie I don't think there there is such a thing apart from I kind of feel like for the fans who were really clambering for this, who really were desperate to see this thing, even before all the reshoots, you know, when it was rumored to be locked away in a vault, I kind of think it's a perfect movie for them. And so I, I think that's that's the only context. But yeah, no, so I, I really enjoyed it. Watched it twice now. I'm sure I'll watch it again at some point in the future. I think it probably I won't... I, how how many times do in a week do you have four hours to spare like a stretch so i think i might take advantage in the future of those chapters or uh as max says those toilet breaks come in quite handy as well you know to break things up a bit but um yeah i just thought from start to finish and and when i say about you know i personally think it's it's more for the fans is because there's so much there that's deeper like some of the things the background characters when you see dark side and things like that but I think the things that would bring in a casual fan, if you're going to surrender four hours of your time, you're kind of bought in straight away. But it is a coherent story. And as human beings, we love stories. We, we're into stories, whatever medium we consume them in. So, yeah, I don't think the, um, I don't think the movie excludes people who aren't fans. Um, I just think to invest four hours, not everyone's going to do that, I don't think. But, yeah. No, a really solid movie. Really enjoyed it. And Max said it met his expectations. I, I think for me, it exceeded them. I think uh, probably, if I'm honest, my favorite Zack Snyder movie is the first one I saw that he did, which was Dawn of the Dead. Um, I absolutely love that movie. This one is is better than that. This, this is probably the best Snyder film that I've seen. Awesome. And then, uh, Chris, what are your thoughts then? Um. I have thoughts, everyone. I have thoughts. So I absolutely love it. And I genuinely, you know, I will fanboy out all day long on Superman. It doesn't matter whether he's in it for 30 seconds or not. Shazam wasn't a massive fan. The fact that we got a fake Superman at the end done me all day long. And I will just go to war over Superman. However, I still think this movie, and I'm going to buy this, I, without doubt, I'm going to get the steelbook and everything. It'll go with my other... Um, Superman, Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, like Steve said, and that I will definitely get it. I don't think it deserved to be four hours. There's a lot of fluff, in my opinion, in this movie. Like that girl singing when Aquaman's with Batman. What is that all about? Um, some nonsense in the movie. However, once we got rocking, 
it's a great movie. And I agree, it pisses all over the Justice League. That is just, it pales into insignificance. It's absolute garbage, that first one. I know I didn't say at the start, but um, genuinely, I just think that there's loads of things here that it's a four-hour movie. I agree, watch it in parts. But I just think there was just a couple of things I was like, that doesn't really, for me, further on the story. But at the end of it, I was like, that was fucking amazing. So I can critique it, and Dave and, and Steve are completely correct. No film is perfect. Endgame's one of my favourite movies. There's plenty of things wrong with that, and I've watched that continually. I'll be watching this again this weekend, definitely, the Snyder Cut. And I'm trying to get Sam into it. There's no way she's going to sit there for four hours. It may be a slight hour here, hour there. And the fact that it's split up into parts is perfect for her viewing because I've dragged her along to every movie under the sun we even went to watch um, The Dark Knight and the cinema in, in the Trafford Centre near us the air conditioning broke in the middle of summer and it was about 30 degrees and when we come out I got a full reef she was going mental because we were like we'd been thrown water on and stuff so I've dragged into every movie going superhero movie now. it's a great film and I, I don't want to be disrespectful to you guys because I understand that but there's just a lot of stuff I didn't really feel was necessary. However, what, what was on the screen just pisses all over the original one for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Um, what we'll do is we'll get onto the sort of our least favourite parts uh, slightly later, but I'd, I'd be inclined to agree. I mean, my general thoughts were, um, I went into this not with the highest expectations because for me, you know, I wasn't a big fan of Batman vs Superman. I appreciate it. I look at that film and I go, although it wasn't for me and, you know, there's the infamous Martha bit, which I know bothers some people, doesn't bother others. But like with Batman vs Superman, it just wasn't for me, but I appreciate the film and I like that film a lot more than Whedon's Snyder, um, Whedon's uh, Justice League because I like it that it could, it went the way it wanted to go and that way isn't necessarily what I wanted. So when I went into this, I was like, is it going to be more like BVS? Is it going to be more like Watchmen? How, how is it going to be? And I, I was pleasantly surprised as well. I, I didn't want to have too high uh, expectations because then it would just get shattered. But also I wasn't like, this is going to be awful, but I was a bit like, you know, is it going to be as different as everyone wants it to be? And I think that what we've all unanimously agreed on is that it's substantially better than the original. Snyder got his way and it and it works. It's exactly the story people want to tell. But I think the difference in this little group is going to be sort of uh, almost uh, where the threshold is, almost where almost you should uh, trim the fat in a sense. And I know that some people aren't going to view it in that way and some people are. So right before we get into that, I want to do some sort of, just we can have a bit more of a general natter with this then, is um, the structure, the layout and the release. Now, obviously this was, I think originally when it was um, mentioned, uh, announced, it was going to be in like four parts and episodic and things. And obviously when you watch it now, it's in uh, the six parts and the epilogues are seven parts. So I want to know if anyone has some sort of thoughts of if you are happy it got released in this one go, if you would have preferred it, say, got released in two movies, in parts, or anything like that. If, uh, Yeah, what do you guys think, really? I'm, I'm very glad that... <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> well, Max spoke first. So Max, go ahead. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no worries. I'm very glad it got to be a movie format because I think for me, if it had been released episodically and all said episodes weren't available in one hit, I don't think I would have been able to contain myself having to wait, say like a week for the next installment and a week thereafter and so on and so forth. Um, I think it flows well as a four hour movie. Uh, I know that 
I think Snyder was up for releasing it as an episodic release. And I think it was merely a contractual thing that stopped them from doing it because I think he'd, I think he'd said so in an interview where if you make release it as an episodic thing, it then becomes like a TV deal and all the actors contracts change. And then it becomes a sort of a financial jigsaw puzzle having to refinance it and pay the actors again accordingly. And it's, it, I think it would have been too cost prohibitive. So I think that's why they didn't do it. But I think it works well as a four-hour movie. I think um, each act sort of tells its own story. It, it, you know, it flows very nicely through. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's an endurance test at times. Of course it is. And like Steve said, there, you know, and, and, and Dave said as well, perfection doesn't exist in a film. Of course, so, you know, I am a huge fan and I was chomping at the bit to see it and I adored it. But, yeah, I could find things I didn't particularly care for about it and things that weren't great. But there's not a movie under the sun where such things don't exist. Um, but I am glad it was a four-hour film. I think it just worked well. And I like that kitchen sink mentality as well. To me, it felt like um, a big, chunky graphic novel come to life where the character, you know, you take your time with the characters and you tell that story. You don't just lurch from one big action set piece to one to another you have a bit of nuance to your storytelling you learn more about the characters um so i love the fact that they just put everything under the sun under these four hours and just let snyder basically do what he wanted to put this out so yeah fine as it is i think so i think for me I, i'm glad as well that it was released in one go i think if it was trickle fed over four weeks or something like that it wouldn't have felt as much like an event because, you know, I, I've heard stories from other people, you know, it got released on the Thursday. Some people probably took the day off. I didn't, but I made damn sure I finished on time because I thought I need to make my tea quick, get that wolf down, you know, get a glass of wine and I'm ready to go then. But I, I needed to start early or else I'd have been falling asleep by the end. So I liked the fact it was like this communal event almost, you know, everyone seemed to be watching it at the same time. It was like back back to the old days it's a really interesting point that max raises there about you know if it's tv the deal looks like this if it's a movie the deal looks like this because it, it feels a little bit like you were binge watching a series and so i didn't notice the the fact that it was slower i mean if you i'm, I'm going to talk about uh, wonder woman's bank scene a, a little bit later but I compared, I went back and I looked at the original just on YouTube and everything was just a bit longer in the Snyder uh, version. And so, you know, they chopped it down. So you just saw what you needed to see. And I thought, I think we're used to seeing that that style of filmmaking or because of the, the things like the Netflix shows, you know, you're watching things like Breaking Bad you can watch a whole episode and then you're like, I'm not really sure what, what happened there. <laughs> you know, not, not a lot happened, but it was so fantastically shot and, you know, there may not have been that much dialogue. So I, I was forgiving of, of any fat that, you know, could have been trimmed because yeah, it could have been, but I, I felt like stretching it out a bit added to the mood of it as well. Hmm. Mm, yeah. That's a very good point. And I, uh, Steve, I know you were going to chime in next. So you can go ahead. Exactly what my esteemed colleagues have said, really. I can't argue with any of it. Um, I like the fact that it was one hour movie, yes, because it felt like an event. And the fact that we managed to get it in the UK when for weeks we were wondering whether we would. And we got it at the same time as the US, so there was none of this spoiler 
nonsense going on if we could avoid social media for a few hours. But I put it on at 7 a.m. I watched it all the way through. And I love what Max said about being 41 and the bladder. I'm 51, Max, so put yourself in my shoes, brother. Um, <laughs> <laughs> those had the breaks were a freaking godsend. Uh, but the fact that I had the movie, it's like you said as well, Mike, that wonderful Netflix mentality. So we could have that whole film exactly when we wanted. No waiting a week, no waiting a day for the next episode to drop. We could watch it all in one as a movie, but had those brilliantly spaced out breaks to go and be old men. So I honestly think what they did and the way it was released was perfect. We got the episodes in one hit and we can still watch it as a film as well. I just thought that was really, really clever and it worked for the film's better good, I think. Mm -hmm. And Chris, anything to add to that? You know what? It's funny actually because we all live in this binge mentality. We do. And I love it. I do love it. We could sit all Sunday afternoon and it was actually a saviour for me on Friday because I was having double glazing windows fit at the front of my house. And I know Dave knows this, but the tossers who were doing it actually literally wrecked the front of my house. So I ended up sitting there full blast with a crack down one side of the barrel of, of the front bay. I had a, my, my bedroom bay looked like um, it was an earthquake. The whole thing had split. And in between that, I thought, fuck this. The guy walked in and went, it's a great sound, that. What are you watching? He went, the Justice League Snyder Cut. I said, and he's like, all right. And I'm just sat there. <laughs> and he was all right at this point. And I, I ended up watching it episodically because there was always a pissing issue. I kept thinking, why didn't I do this myself with one of my mates? Anyway, it was perfect. So I agree. I was happy it was a four-hour film. I don't know if I'm going to convince Sam to watch it for four hours, but I don't think I would have been happy watching it. Like, because I'm moaning already about we've we've done Marvel, you know, the Falcon and Winter Soldier, and I've got to wait another week. I don't I love when they're all done and I'm dying, like when the boys come out, the first three episodes, and then it was every week drip feeding us. I'm so pleased they've done this because it would have lost it. It wouldn't, it, as much as it was in parts and it told you on screen, I think it makes sense just to do it as a four-hour thing and then it's available for everybody because we've waited long enough. The mythical Snyder Cut has been on the table for two, two and a half years, or maybe even from release. Absolutely perfect for me that it was a full movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I'm in agreement as well. And one of the big things that we've all actually touched on unexpectedly is the breaks in it, the, the actual splitting of it. And I said so slightly at the start, there's six of the main Equus parts and then there's an epilogue. So there's seven parts in total of a four-hour movie. And that... When I heard about the parts and things, I was, I wouldn't say sceptical, I didn't really have any thoughts about it, but when you watch it, it actually, it's surprising how much of an impact it makes, because when me and uh, Megan watched it, and so we got, I think we got to part three or four or so, we got about half-ish way through, and then we just generally need to break to stand up and kind of do stuff, and you know, Megan more so probably than me, um, we got up 15 minutes, had something to eat and whatever, and then got back down to it and continued, and I think that those breaks they really help me as an individual watching it separate the plot as well um it's kind of the structure itself of how it was laid out was done so well and i think that i think what i appreciate about this is that the amount of detail that's gone into obviously zachary's had a lot of time to think about this and although i know there are some criticisms about certain reshoots here and there or whatever i think that I haven't had anyone say that the part splitting is a problem. And I think that unanimously, we all kind of agree there. And also, yeah, I wouldn't have wanted this to be a series either, because I agree with what you guys have been saying. It's like, you know, with WandaVision or even Mandalorian, anything like that, you get shows and when it's, when everyone's together watching it week by week, what's going to happen next? Justice League, this is a 
reimagining of an existing product. So it's slightly different because vaguely we knew what was going to happen. And I think that if it had been released episodically, it would have taken away from it. And one of the big things, which is going to caveat or segue very nicely into what we're going to talk about next, which is uh, the general plot. Because I think that it being set up in the way that it did, I was sceptical it was going to be too much of a slow burn or the opposite, and it was going to be so much action I couldn't breathe. But what I really liked about this, which was surprising, is the the pacing of it. And I just thought the way they did certain character introductions and the whole feel of the film... Even though it was a four-hour movie and I stopped halfway through, it never felt like it was dragging. And even some of my favourite films, you know, can drag a little bit. There's plenty of Star Wars films I love. But, like, let's be honest. <laughs> There's a couple of times you're watching it, you're like, does this scene really take this long? It's just, it's just you kind of look at it like, I'll wait for the cool bit to happen. But I found in Justice League, it didn't really have that. So I feel like we should talk about the plot in general. And also, this is something that I myself have little knowledge on. And I'm sorry to throw you in the deep end, Chris, you either. But the comic connections as well. Obviously, that doesn't have to be central. But I'd be intrigued to know because the other three people in this uh, chat are a lot more, well, comic centric. So with the plot then, does anyone want to volunteer and start us off with your sort of general thoughts on the plots? And if I could just say, before we get into, you know, jumping through the plot, I thought the way it started off was brilliant. And if you think this, this really makes it feel now like a trilogy because BVS, the theatrical cut is not one of my favorites. Um, Max and I went head to head a, a little while ago on comics on trial on that one. The ultimate, still a soft point. <laughs> the ultimate <laughs> cut though, it, it's a bit like this. It tells a much more coherent story. And again, is a quantum leap better than the theatrical cut. But the fact that that starts off with a scene at the end of Man of Steel from a different perspective, and that's what you get here as well. You get the end of BBS, but from that different perspective. And I thought the way uh, Superman's cries, you know, resonated throughout the world, and then you see it, you know, in Thermoscara, you see it in Atlantis, you see, you know, that's the thing that's waking up the mother boxes. I, I thought it was a brilliant way to start off the movie. I think that was one of my favourite parts. I know we're not getting on to that part yet, but genuinely, once that happened in the film, I was like, immediately, I could, because as I said, I couldn't remember the original that much, but I, when that happened, I was like, oh, that's brilliant. And then when you saw it echoing, I was like, this is a really clever way, especially because while I was watching it with Megan, I Megan's not seen Man of Steel. I don't think she's seen Batman vs Superman. And I don't think she'll like either of them. Maybe in a few years, I can try and push that on her when we said, hey, let's just watch them all again. Um, but I think that I was trying to vaguely explain general plot points, but then I was like, I don't want to say too much, too little. And then the start happened. I was like, this has explained it in a good enough way for anyone, to, either like myself who hasn't watched the BVS for ages, or for Megan who isn't necessarily fussed, but knows Batman vs Superman, they fought, and then Superman died at the end. Like, that's all you really need to know. But that scream, I thought, that was kind of the moment I found that when that happened, I was like, oh, this is different in a really good way. And it's something that I'd not even thought about at all. It's a very clever way. And it's another, this is probably going to be, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but it's going to be things like, why the hell wasn't that included in the original? Like that's such a, that's such a cool thing. You just think that's such an amazing way to start off a film. So yeah, push the floor. Who who wants to go uh, discussions on plot then? You could put your hand up or we can't see <laughs> Max. So you could just talk loudly <laughs> and I'll, I'll cut around this, <laughs> this stuff. <laughs> Go on, Max. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, 
yeah, I think the plot made a lot more sense because with a four hour running time, you can fill in all those kind of narrative gaps, can't you? So I don't think this one could be accused of having any gaping plot holes. Maybe someone's got a different opinion on that. I, well, I guess we'll get to that in a minute. But I didn't really come out of it thinking, well, they didn't really explain that or this wasn't fully fleshed out because they had so much time to play with. The plot felt really fully developed and really well realized. Um, and it just felt really satisfying, you know. And like Dave says, it's great that they tie into the the consequences of the end of the previous film and that tees up the whole situation as to, you know, why we are where we are and just everything that was thrown back into the mix, characters that didn't even make the theatrical cut, you know, Dark Side, Martian Manhunter, Ryan Choi, uh, Joker, things like this, um, just added to the melting pot and just made it this really immersive experience. It just felt like a, obviously it's not a real world situation and the, it's not depicted as a sort of a realistic world situation, but it felt like a world that exists, if that makes sense. It felt like in the same way you watch kind of like the Lord of the Rings and you feel like you're immersed in that kind of Middle Earth setting. And, you know, you can kind of obviously, again, not vaguely realistic, but that world feels realistic to that story. And this DC world feels really authentic. That's what I thought from the plot. I, you know, I'd like to know what you guys thought of that. I couldn't agree more, Max. There was parts of this film that were just epic in a way I don't think I've felt about a film since the original Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings trilogy. The whole scenes in history, the fact they brought the Roman, the Greek gods in, and they've even managed to put David Thewlis's face on that buff god's body uh, as a younger man, as Ares, and little things yeah. like that. As a nerd, as a DC fan, this film just ticks every single box i also agree that structurally uh, like you said mike it did not feel like anything was like chopped in or thrown in or or, or tweaked in with a shoehorn it flowed even with the four-hour structure this film just made much more sense in terms of the way it developed the way it moved the way it was shot than the original one did because it was a film made by committee by two directors and Lord only knows how many executives. So this one just felt like a film that was one person's vision. And having followed the making of it, even to before the point where sadly autumn passed and, and Zach had to walk away, all the things I was really looking forward to, things I'd seen in the trailer, which then didn't materialise in the theatrical cut, just made me dislike that version more than I probably should. Because again, after watching it a few times, I actually got to like it a little bit more. But now having seen the film we were promised, it's just a, a different kettle of fish altogether. And Dave, mate, I could not agree more. That beginning, the way it joined to the end of Batman vs Superman, makes these three films now a strong trilogy. And for me, has made these three films up there with the Lord of the Rings, with the original Star Wars trilogy, as one of my favourite movie trilogies of all time. That, that's honestly how I feel about it. Now, here's a question for you then. So, Justice League 2017, it's like four years old now, so you'd still expect quite strong DVD and Blu-ray sales. Have Warner Brothers just killed off all that revenue stream now? Because actually, if you buy this as a trilogy, 
you don't want that 2017 one, do you? You want this. Absolutely. And you probably want the ultimate cut of BVS as well. So you've got a solid, what, nearly 10 hours there. I think that's the trilogy people are going to want, isn't it? 100%. Absolutely, totally. Um, but again, luckily, the version I've got of Batman vs Superman is the ultimate cut, and it's got the theatrical cut as well, which I won't watch. But it's like films like The Abyss and Aliens. I will only watch the special editions. Um, so... People will still watch them by accident because apparently viewings of Joss Whedon's Justice League have also shot through the roof because people think it's Zack Snyder's one and say, oh, look, directed by Zack Snyder, I must be watching the right one. But the sad <laughs> thing is that Joss Whedon's Justice League says directed by Zack Snyder, but whatever it says on the tin, that was not a Zack Snyder film. But, but you're right, that revenue stream might get more accidental views, but yes, that one is, to all intents and purposes, otherwise completely dead. It is funny as well. I wonder if a couple of people are watching it kind of like what uh, I know a lot of people in Comics Motion have done, which is go back and watch the original before watching uh, the Snyder Cut, which would be interesting. But I'm sure a lot of people are confused because like a lot of my friends who are fairly nerdy, not as much as me, but even they asked me, like I'm, we've got like a group chat with like 10 of us and they were like, uh, Mike, what's this Snyder Cut thing? <laughs> what's it all about? Why does everyone care? I'd like to, you know, I vaguely explain it. But I, I want to say as well, Man of Steel, I do like as a film. I think the first hour, the first half is some of the best superhero stuff I've seen and the second half is in my view not that great I'm not not going to shit all over it but I wasn't a big fan of the second half and then BVS I haven't seen the ultimate cut but because of this film I now want to watch them because for me this almost feels like and I, I seem to connect everything to Star Wars it almost feels like the prequel trilogy in some ways to me because where there are some flaws you know like in Phantom Menace and in uh, Attack of the Clones there's some flaws in them dialogue love interest blah and one could say that in Batman vs Superman that Martha bit could be synonymous to one of those scenes where it's just a bit it doesn't fit I know some people don't that's completely fine but other people do but it's that sort of thing of now they're all together seeing a whole picture you can that maybe little bumps that maybe jar you jar an individual a little bit are completely not noticed compared to because of how big the storyline is and the overarching and the immersion of as what you guys have sort of said and chris i want to know what sort of your uh, thoughts on the the general plot and things as well i'd be intrigued to hear you what you think uh, i think it's night and day for the josh whedon one this is so much better so much better and i love the story arc with cyborg because it made me feel, and I think Max hit, hit the nail on there before, is you introduced three characters because we didn't have Aquaman at this point when the original one came out. He was introduced within this uh, properly. And then you've got the other two, you know, you've got um, Barry Allen and then you've got Cyborg. But I thought Cyborg for me was the underrated hero of this whole movie. I love this story arc. I love, I was so invested. And the fact that his dad, the bastard, brought down Cyberdyne <laughs> systems as well in 1992 He's not a good look over that man. How did he fake his death in Terminator <laughs> so 2? I don't get it. <laughs> Twice. <Brilliant>. Twice. <laughs> Twice as well, false arm and everything. And he also invented the Hoover. I mean, exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but, but, but no, I did. I thought the film was fantastic, as in everything just made sense. It was so rushed, that two hour version. Because we'd. Watched it. I did say to Dave, Dave was like, we're going to do the uh, Josh Whedon version. And I went, hang on. So we're doing six hours of this in the space of two weeks. And, and <laughs> oh, I didn't think of that. No, it's usually me who just said, but I'm glad Dave did do that because it was all fresh because I wasn't sure I had the the, um, the patience to sit there so close. But I know I was so excited. And I think everything works, even the build up to Superman. Like, like in the original one, it's nonsense. It's literally 
they all get their asses kicked, but not not really get their asses kicked. It's not like um, and I'm sorry to keep using the Marvel thing, but not like say Infinity War, where basically everyone's been decimated. Thanos has just killed everything and got his way, and everyone's like, "What the hell's going to go on?" They sort of half got their asses kicked, and then went, "Hang on, we need to bring Superman back," and then he just come back. Whereas this way, it made sense. They had a go. They knew that there was a way of bringing him back, Bruce. Bruce all of a sudden was his best mate, which is fine. But but I did think that everything just worked so well and it beats and everything was 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 right. Even though I have an issue with a couple of things in the movie, as a movie, it was just perfect for me. Just everything flowed really well. And it almost makes sense as well to have a Justice League, whereas in the 2017 version, it didn't. So basically, all they had to do was bring back Superman, and then they could have gone and had a <laughs> cup of tea. They they were done then. <laughs> whereas the whole league played a part in the ending to this, and so for me, it was a proper team movie, whereas the 2017 version just, just wasn't. It was just Superman yeah. and Friends. Yeah, they were a team. Absolutely right. That's another thing that came out of this film. They worked as a cohesive unit. Even when Batman was just outside shooting parademons to keep them out of the building, that he was part of the team. In the first film, Batman was shat on. He was tech support and a wuss. And that whole bit with Superman that I, I don't not like you, and that forced humour just drove me fucking mad. I should have been pissed off that they cut the Batman scene with the parademon out of this version. But as soon as you see... Batman, understanding Icelandic, knowing full well who he was talking to, without having to see a picture of him on a wall, that's Batman. I can forgive not having a scene with him catching a parademon because you're seeing him as a detective using his brain. Absolutely. And Cyborg and Flash, icing on the cake. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in agreement with all of you guys because one thing that I found my biggest issue with the Justice League, um, the, the Joss Whedon sort of version, was not only did it seem just like a cheap copy of Avengers, so why would I bother if Avengers is seemingly better in most ways? But the big other thing was sort of the whole film, obviously it's only two hours, but it just felt like there's almost like a point in the film which is is before Superman and after Superman. And before Superman or is it just boring, weird jokes that don't really fit that well with the theme and especially not his predecessors, you know. Shazam, maybe, but even the human Shazam is still not the same as what the, the sort of Whedon cut was. But um, then the thing is, is that it felt like it was just a build-up to Superman and then it just kind of clicked the fingers. Oh, Superman's back, really super easy, done, done, done. He kills and it ends. And you're just like, what? so this whole film was, it was basically just waiting for Superman. But the Snyder cut, I, I it gets about halfway through the film and they haven't even really spoken about it. And that's what I liked. And I think that the characters being flushed out was something that, when I heard about Cyborg being the heart of the movie and things, and I was just like, was he? Like, you know, obviously saying that the Snyder cut will have that. But, and I was like, for me, he didn't, in the original one, I was like, how are they going to flush that character out? Because all I know of Cyborg is from uh, Teen Titans and things. So obviously, it's a slightly more uh, humorous take in some ways, but there's a lot of weight to his character in a lot of those um, shows. And then I found in this one, it made me want a Cyborg movie more than anything, really. Beforehand, if you said you want a Cyborg seller movie, you're like, no. But now I'm like, oh, if they continue that trajectory of the whole, you know, so many people get superpowers and everything's really you know, everything's fine when you have superpowers. You know, it's just like, oh, you get bit by a radioactive spider and Uncle Ben dies. But by aside from that, everything's hunky-dory. And, and a lot of these things are just superheroes are great. And there's not that many stories of cursed. You know, you get Rogue from X-Men and a couple of others. But generally speaking, the air quotes curse ones, you know, Thing and Hulk, 
they're the ones that have the more interesting stories a lot of the time. Because when you don't want the power that you are, in their case, not even really given, he is forced into, that just does such an interesting thing for his character. And his dynamic with his dad and seeing all the flashbacks and stuff, it really added to a lot of weight. And I was just like, I want more Cyborg. Like, I, I want characters that have the weight. And that was one of my biggest issues with Superman in general, is just, he's invincible and I found him boring. But what I found with these films... Has just brought forward some of the um, well, the human element of Superman, and that's the coolest thing. So, so on to that. Let's get on to the bit I think we're probably all wanting to do, which is talk about our favourite moments and things. Um, so, Steve, do you want to start us off with your sort of favourite moments and things, then we'll kind of go here, there and everywhere. Oh, blimey. Um, the whole film, apart from a couple of minor tweaks, <laughs> I loved every second of this movie. Favourite bits... Flash saving Iris, that whole bit with the pet shop and the truck showed that you can have humour in a so-called dark and dreary Zack Snyder movie. And it worked because it's a character moment. It's intrinsic to who Barry Allen is. Again, you've all said it brilliantly. The whole stuff with Cyborg, the relationship with his dad. I mean, the scene on the football pitch with the empty chair, that's ripped straight out of the comics. Um, oh man, everything Wonder Woman getting the arrow and finding Darkseid's um picture in that temple. Everything about this film just worked. Even though we'd seen the Trinity, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, in Batman versus Superman, you've all said it. We still had to meet and learn to like three brand new characters. And unlike Marvel, who did it properly and gave each character a movie and then the Avengers, Warner rushed it, missed it. Zack Snyder had to make a four-hour film for us to like and give a toss about these characters. And that's something he did. Aquaman, while a lot of people don't like that whole bit with the Icelandic lady singing to him, this guy was their saviour. This was a poor town that might have been completely in the shit without this guy who came in from sea and saved them. So that him to me was actually touching. I, it actually brought goosebumps to me. I actually thought that was an absolutely beautiful piece of cinema. And that's how humanity would look at these powerful people, almost like the Greeks looked up at the Greek gods. I just thought that was wonderful. This film had heart, this film had character, and this film had storytelling. So favourite bits? All of them, apart from the little tweaks. And I don't want to talk about those, Anis. You have a little tweaks, things you didn't like, but at the end, Mike. So I just loved it. Great <laughs> film. We, we will get on to uh, after our favourite moments. There are a few minor bits, um, but we'll, we'll go on to that in a minute. So let's go. Dave, do you want to tell us some of your favourite parts of the movie? As Steve mentioned, I, I think I'm going to have a few honourable mentions. So I do like uh, the Flash Iris scene. Um, I thought we've kind of seen that before with Quicksilver in days of X-Men Days of Future Past, the whole slowing down and the very slow music. But I thought it was really well done. I, I wondered what was going to happen with the hot dogs for a split second when the hot dog was right there. I was thinking, is he going to put that in her mouth or something? <laughs> it, it just seemed a bit weird to me. But I did really, really like that scene. I've watched it several times since on, on YouTube. Um, I like the fact that Cyborg has obviously been watching Superman 3 and took a, a leaf from Gus Gorman's uh, salami slicing approach you know, to, to make some money. So he's obviously pinching half a cent off off the employees of Microsoft or some someone like that. 
I have to say, my favorite bit was near the end where actually the the Justice League are all going to band together, okay? They've not got Superman just yet. And you've got a bit of this music, quite rocky music. It's actually a piece called We Do This Together. And you get Flash, and he kind of looks up at the screen, and he just kind of brings his hands together like that. And you've got this dirty bass line going, dum, 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 dum. And it just feels this is a team together that just feels earned now, whereas it didn't feel earned before. And so I just love that. It was just, I've got goosebumps on my arms now just thinking about it. So yeah, that was my favorite. And Chris, what about you? Um, I, there's a couple of bits actually. And I'm sorry guys, they're going to revolve around Superman, but when he resurrects himself and well, he don't resurrect. They resurrect him, and he comes out of obviously the ship, and he's in the air. And Lois is actually there instead of the "Let's bring out the the big guns" that was in the original version, which was nonsense. And it was the fact that she was just within the vicinity of it. She used to go every day and give a coffee to the copper, and you know she sort of had that redemption where she was like, "I need to go back to work. I need to you know do something." That made so much sense. And when he did come up, I'll be honest with you, a little bit emotional. I was like, "I love it. I love it," but. In the original one, I love the fact that the John Williams score was used. They didn't use it Man of Steel. It annoyed me. I do like the Man of Steel Batman, uh, Batman, Superman music that they use in there, and it's synonymous with that movie. I, I do think it works. But at the end of the movie, when, you know, in the first one, he's like, Stephen was like, you know, you're all too weak. And he goes, I believe in Justin or whatever he does. And he punches him. And then we get the John Williams score. After that, Superman just goes fucking racing with the Flash. It's just a nonsense piece that you resurrect the most powerful superhero ever. And I'm glad you didn't say, Mike, that you hate him and he's boring forever because we would have had an issue. Um, but he's, um, that he just goes in rescuing people and it's like, he's Superman. He should be able to kick the shit out of Steppenwolf. And in this one, we got it. And Steppenwolf actually looked like Hellboy when he finished with him. And I love that when he was whacking him and he was using his eyes and everything. And I was like, yes. However, where the hell's the John Williams score at that point? That should have been the point, people. And I'm sticking to that. But amazing. That was my favourite part of the whole movie. Without I don't goosebumps for me. Chris, did you spot the copper? Was Mark McClure, Jimmy Olsen from the Christopher Reeve movies? The copper that she took the No, I didn't. To. Oh, I oh you'd... no! Yeah. Oh, yeah. he's an old guy. You're right. Oh, yeah. well, he was. Um, he was in Back to the Future as well. Yes. Oh no! I was shocking. Dave, wasn't he? That's terrible. Good spots. They're going to have to go back now. That's it now. <laughs> watch it again. Thank you, Steve. That's brilliant. Oh, you've just done me now. It's under four hours. Should have been rescuing him yeah, from a oh. dam. He broke his leg, if you don't mind, Dave, in Superman 3. Just remember that. <laughs> he, was in, nice one, Steve. he was in Justice League as well, you know. It, it, not in that part, but when Barry goes to visit his dad in yes. prison. He plays the policeman on like the signing in desk yep. who who then sends the because uh, Bruce Wayne says we've got a man inside the prison to let us know when Barry's there to help him track Barry down to recruit him. And you see him signing Barry Allen in and then he gets his mobile phone out and sends a message to like Alfred or something like that. So, yeah, it was in Justice League 2, but a, a completely different part. Oh, you've done me there, both of you. Thank you oh. for that. No, I, I love little Easter eggs. That's going to be me straight on YouTube now. So thank you. <laughs> 
And then Max is your uh, your the what's the term? I was going to say the the thing is yours, but I can't actually think of what the word is. The floor. The floor. floor. There you go. This is terrible. I'm the worst <laughs> host ever. I can't think of the word floor, which is pathetic. Sorry, Max. <laughs> go ahead. The floor is yours. <laughs> um, the two main bits that really stood out for me were two bits that we hadn't seen before, uh, and they were completely new. They weren't sort of variations on scenes from the justice version and these were two bits that were completely sort of brand new content one was the introduction of martian manhunter which i thought was superb the way he was um masquerading as martha kent and delivered this sort of motivational speech to lois to like you know pull yourself together again you know go back come back to the living land of the living or whatever he says you know kind of step away from your grief um and that carries a whole lot more weight when you understand what the backstory of martian manhunter and what he knows about grief and loss i mean this is a guy who lost his wife and kids and well basically his his entire species on this planet he is sort of the last living martian isn't that right steve or or one of the last living martians one of the last living good ones those horrible evil white martians yes that's true that's true um but yeah i mean so that adds so much more weight and then when you see him actually transform into marshall on the on the stairs of the apartment before then going back to masquerading as the general that's superb and then that last scene where he he lands outside bruce's waterfront house and delivers this whole speech i mean and he just looks fantastic as well it's such a great realized version of the character i mean obviously it's a cgi version you're not going to find a a green-skinned actor uh, in equity these days but um he just looked superb, and I, I, I just hope we get to see. Even if this sort of story isn't continued, I hope he pops up in a future DC movie. That would just be superb. And the other bit, of course, which I, I know probably a lot of people have been talking about, was the penultimate scene to that one with them, um, Marshall and Bruce, which was the nightmare sequence set in the dystopian future where everything's gone wrong and everything's gone bad, and that particular interplay between batman and the joker that sort of three or four minutes of dialogue where it's just the two of them whenever everyone else had stood to the background and the level of menace between the two of them the thinly veiled threats the fact that they literally want to tear each other apart but they're having to form this sort of unholy alliance to kind of survive and get the job done as to you know what they need to do to sort of put the future uh, undo the future and send Barry back to the past, which would have been explored in, in a sequel if that whatever happened remains to be seen. But that whole exchange is just brilliant. I mean, a lot of people didn't like the fact that they filmed that extra and through. So people thought the Joker was kind of just shoehorned in for the sake of it. But I thought that scene carried so much weight and the, the, the way it was acted between the two of them. Um, it was just great to see Batman and Joker together in this version, at least, you know, it's one we hadn't seen for a while since Heath Ledger's Dark Knight, of course. Um, so what a brilliant scene. I, I, I've watched that many, many times since on, on YouTube and things like that on my phone. It's just a brilliantly put together scene. Mm, interesting. I mean, we'll have to come back to that specific, some of the things you said there, because I will be honest, that was my least favorite probably of the whole film. But I understand the reason that that probably didn't touch me in any way was because I had no fucking idea what was going on. I've not read any of the comics or anything. So I do want to get on to that sort of stuff, the epilogue. Um, I want to discuss it mainly because I have some questions and I feel like it's just me having knowledge holes as opposed to it being, you know, bad in air quotes. So I will touch I'll go to that in a little bit, but I'll say uh, my favorite thing um, in 
in it i mean you guys have touched upon lots of different things i did really like you know the flashes you know the car crash and sort of thing because i i liked you know first thing i thought was ah it's another quicksilver but then when you see it, you're like oh it's done in a different way which makes it still feel like it's its own thing and it's like there's no rule that says you can only have you know one set of films that has someone who's running super fast and i think this shows that those two are done in very different ways especially I can't remember if it's Days of Future Past or Apocalypse, but with the the one with the Flash, uh, the one with Quicksilver, you know, you've got the camera basically attached to his body and it's his face you can see running fast. And then you have a zoom out shot of him zipping about, whereas this one was a bit more in the middle. Instead of having a really close up and a really far, it was kind of one mid. So I, I did appreciate that. I really liked the Wonder Woman uh, scene uh, at the start, as in um, there's one little hole I have in it, which I'll get onto in a moment, but I really liked the whole starting scene with Wonder Woman. I, I really like... Zack Snyder gets some shtick for using slow-mo too much. I don't think he does, because I don't think other people use slow-mo enough, because there's... I mean, Marvel films, I love them, but with re-watching the Captain America films I've done recently, which are excellent, my one flaw with some of the Marvel films is that when you have action scenes, especially because there's so many cuts, things happen so quickly, you can't really keep track of what's going on. You just see a guy flip that way, and you go, oh, so that guy's clearly been hit in the front. Whereas I found with a lot of the action scenes in this, because he used sort of slowing down and speeding up so well, especially with the Wonder Woman scene, you saw, okay, so really this, the way I viewed it was the speeding up part was her moving at real time in air quotes, but obviously she's essentially a god. And then the slowing down bit was so the audience could see and what she was experiencing. And I thought I, I'd like more films to do that sort of thing because there's so many times you see some really badass happen. You're like, ah, why can't this be on screen longer? Um, so I love that. And my other favorite part, which was in uh, the sort of the Whedon cut, was uh, when Superman comes back, but when he's uh, evil. And um, you guys sort of touched upon that as well, where instead of being like, oh, we're bringing Superman back, he's obviously going to be evil. Let's bring out Lois because we planned all this. It's like, that doesn't make sense, really. But when it was, yeah, as you guys said, you know, she's just, she's trying to get used to life again. And even the few scenes with her were very powerful with grief, you know, and the things that I'm not going to delve into, but my experience, I've had a lot of dealings with grief and things and seen that. So it's, it means a lot to see someone getting back on the horse, not in the standard way that a lot of superhero films do, which is, ah, oh, someone died. Oh, that's a shame. Right, on to the next thing. Let's go. It, it showed the human side of her, which is once again, one of my favorite parts of a lot of superhero films. And I think it, it made him coming back and being, you know, air quotes, not quite evil, but him fighting them. It brought a lot of weight to weight to that and i felt like although i enjoyed that somewhat in the original i think in this one it did it so much better and that is my one of my favorite things in movies is when you have someone who is good who goes bad or bad that goes good or someone who you know the the trope of losing your memory and then you know in spider-man 3 when james franco does that i like that part of the film even though the rest of the film's a bit of a train wreck i like that bit because i i like and this is one of the things i'm excited to get into comics and stuff with Elseworlds and all these sorts of other crazy things where you get all those alternate realities flipping things on heads I'm very excited about that stuff but yeah I really liked that side with uh, Superman and things so I want to ask is there any sort of final honourable mentions and then we'll get on to a couple of the critiques uh, that maybe only half of us have got but all more explanations but is there any sort of other honourable mentions of things that really stood out that no one has yet uh, mentioned yeah I, th I think it was less about the set pieces wasn't it I think I think as Steve said, it, it was more just the, not the whole movie again, cause it's perfect. Cause it's not, but I think it's just smooth. The thing I got most joy from is, is just the whole coherent story. Um, the fact that Lois is there as well, Martian Manhunter, although he only appears in, you know, the after credit and that tiny bit, he kind of had a little part to play, you know, in, in G and up Lois again. So she's there as a result of that conversation. So 
I think I think that was that was great. I did kind of, uh, I'm going to admit this, I did kind of like when Superman came back, even though he had a horrible CGI lip, the fact that he held Batman up and he did repeat back, you know, do you bleed? <laughs> I did like that, to be fair. And obviously that's not in this cut, but uh, yeah, that that's probably the only bit. Um, and I thought, to be honest, I thought... Wonder Woman going Kellel no in that bit. I thought that was a Whedonism, but it turns out it's not. So, what what works? I, I heard. I think what's the topic? I think they spoke about it. I, I I clearly missed that. And after listening to you guys talk about a lot of these things, there's loads of things I missed because I didn't even realize before this conversation. I did realize because I was looking online. I didn't I didn't connect the dots with the Martian Manhunter being Martha thing. I think it's more obvious. Mm-hmm. And I think but I must have just sneezed or looked away at the wrong time or something, and I missed that part. It's a long time to keep concentration. <laughs> well, that's it. And obviously, there was the break <laughs> in the middle. So, and part of it was watching with Megan. But the whole Kalel thing is that Superman's like OG name or something I, I don't know if there's something i've missed yeah, it's his kryptonian yeah that, name. that's his kryptonian name ah. so but i don't I, actually i don't know in this continuity i don't know how wonder woman knows that maybe lois told her something maybe i i, I, I don't need it explaining i just just I was thinking about she it. She went to I'm the like, comic shop, Dave. <laughs> yeah, <that's>, yeah. <laughs> no, Cyborg's busy watching Superman three. <laughs> oh, did, you, did you see when Jimmy Kimmel did it with with uh, Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck when he does that skit? Oh no! Have you never seen it on YouTube? Oh, no, I need to. Oh, now. it's amazing. So you know, in Batman v Superman, where they're at the that art place and Diana's there, and they mm. sort of talk to each other, and Jimmy Kimmel comes along and he's pissed, and he went and he starts going, he goes you're Superman. And he's going, I'm not. And then Batman, he goes yeah. to Batman, he goes, he puts his arm around uh, Henry Cavill and goes, take a picture. So Ben Affleck holds the phone up like this and goes, where do you want the picture? Like, well, that's the Christian Bale. <laughs> but, but, but say it away, he goes, hang on, do that again. He goes, you're Batman. Oh, yeah. And then Lex Luthor comes, you've got to see Steve, it's amazing. It's on YouTube. I need it's amazing. To see so, so maybe she'd want that sketch because she wasn't in that, but it's so good, that sketch, honestly. It's so good. Brilliant. Oh, so he's, yeah. Wonderful. You've got, to, you've got to have that. It just takes the piss out of that scene, but it's it's just comical because he's pissed going backwards and forwards, going, Superman, Superman's over there. And in the end, okay, I won't ruin it, but Henry Cavill's just like <laughs> losing his rag. It's really funny. Yeah, it's good <laughs> I need to see this. I'll try to make a mental note for any listeners to try. I'll remember to put that into uh, yeah, the, Jimmy Kimmel, the Jimmy Kimmel on YouTube. <laughs> I've, re- I've made a note. So if people listen to this uh, on, uh, you know, and there's no notes in there about YouTube or anything like that, that's my bad. So <laughs> just to clarify, but I'm definitely want to watch that now. I mean, this conversation so far, I just want to go back and i just want to watch man of steel bvs ultimo cut and the snyder cut again from this but there are but as we have said this is not the perfect movie so now that's the part where we are going to slate it it sucks no um we're gonna say some of the things that maybe uh either didn't land or that we could think could have been improved on or certain other aspects um i'm gonna jump this one off because i just want (laughs) i kind of want to explain to me my thing um uh was kind of the the epilogues now not I enjoyed them and really I've heard a lot of people say it where you know the film feels like it's going to end like three times and I agree with that however my counter is that in every Marvel film there's two post-credit scenes so really this just skipped us having to wait you know five ten twenty minutes to watch loads of credits of people before seeing the end credit scene it's like here's the epilogue this is the post-credit scene stuff you don't need to you know waste time with that but I want to get sort of opinions on the I think it's called the nightmare with a k if I'm right I 
didn't get that at all because the post credit scene before that is introducing Deathstroke, who I only know by name and I know nothing else about him, and him agreeing with Lex about killing uh, Batman. And then there's a bad dream, which is insinuated to be a potential future, but then he's there helping them. And then Joker's there and it was just a bit like, I feel like I need to rewatch it, but did anyone else feel like it was a bit much in some ways or did it make complete coherent sense to everyone and I'm just a bit of a scrub? No, you make a lot of points, Mike. It is completely out of left field thing that we've seen before, before, and it's one of my bugbears of the movie too. It's the one thing, I do love the scene, don't get me wrong, but I actually feel, contrary to Zack Snyder, that this should have been after the credits. Mm. And he said, no, he put it in before the credits because he hates the whole thing of making someone sit through the credits um, just to watch this. But we're at home. There's a fast forward. You're not in the theater. I would have preferred the nightmare scene after the credits. But to your point, yes, it's a possible future now, but likely, according to Warner Brothers, not a future we'll ever see. So I'm glad we just got it in there for reasons like Max said. Batman totally going one-on-one head-to-head with the Joker was a beautiful thing to see. And I think it did a lot for Jared Leto's Joker too, because he's widely despised. I never despised him. I always thought it was a very underrated performance, a very subtle performance, and honestly, in many ways, still one of the closest to the comic book's performance of the Joker. So I was glad that was in, but I totally see where you're coming from. It wasn't a a silly reaction at all. And many of the negatives I have heard would agree with you, because they all say similar things, mate. So no, I'd agree with you there, mate. And I will add on to that because what Megan said, she literally, we got to the epilogue and then we finished. And she didn't like that. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, I liked it all. But she was like, the epilogue made no sense. She was like, who the hell is Deathstroke? Why is Jared Leto's Joker there? Was that real or was that, oh, who was that Martian guy? And like, obviously, I think I know I know who Martian Manhunter is. I watched, I think it was the Justice League animated cartoon that he's in. Um, so I, I knew, this is what I mean, peripheral random pockets of information about superhero stuff. Um, so I liked the Manhunter thing. And there are parts I just feel like, yeah, there were, for anyone who wasn't in the know, and I feel like probably at least half the people who would be watching this are actively in the know. But there's that sort of, that slight uh, bar there, which is just, if you're not, as into comics or the realm or even seeing sort of the ultimate cut of BVS or things like that, there might be little parts. But I'd say for me, really, there's no part of this film where I thought this is bad. There were a couple of moments I just think were ever so slightly jarring. Either the camera just stayed on a shot for an extra second or two, like the hot dog thing. I was just like, that didn't ruin the film. It didn't even take me out of it. I was just a bit like, God, this hot dog is getting really close to her face, isn't it? And then it cuts. So it like, wasn't oh, just it was me, me, then. <laughs> no, I, Megan was like, Megan was did say she's like, what's happening here? And I was like, I really hope it cuts in a second because if this is going, if that is going into hitting her in the face in slow mo, I like the humor in this film so far. I think that would be a bit, bit too much of the the old stuff. But aside from that, there was only one other part I think um, that I wanted to mention, which was. He brought up the singing part, which didn't really bother me much because I got that. So, um, it was actually... Mike, can I just jump in while, while no, we're, yeah, yeah, while we're ahead, on I'm the epilogue? Because I think I, I can appreciate what Snyder's saying there in not waiting for everyone uh, hanging around at the end. And I, I can't help but feel he's just trying to be a little bit different there. You know, he's not adhering to the convention. But the reason the convention works is because when you invest your time in a story and you are properly invested you need to know that there is a finish 
to this story that you've just watched, read, listened to, whatever. And then even if you've just got a minute of credits, it feels like a full stop. And then you get to see something else and you're like, coming next week or whatever it is, you know, oh my God, I need to see that. So for me, it it, it left me feeling like, oh, well, this is all stuff that I'm never going to see. And I kind of know that these, these were reshoots as well, which makes me feel a bit weird because you don't really have to, you didn't have to glue that on at the end. So I can't help but feel it's a bit of a cynical attempt to try and whip people up to try and get on at Warner Brothers to make more of this Snyderverse. That's what it feels like to me. Um, I, For me personally, I, it didn't redeem Jared Leto's Joker. I, I think one of the things that really jarred with me was like Batman seemed to put the fear of God into the Joker. And I thought, is the Joker ever going to have the fear of God put into him? You know, even even if he's dangled in uh, over a mincer or something like that, I think he'd still like be maniacally laughing. So, uh, but that's by the by. The fact is, the movie had a great finish. The team came together. They achieved their goals, achieved their objective. I needed a full stop there, and then I got. It, it was very Lord of the Rings. The, the last Lord of the Rings one, it just kept going and kept going. And I'm like, okay, when is this going to finish now? I'm, I'm, I am done. You know, and again, I, I think the first three and a half hours or whatever, really solid, really tight. I think it would have served it a lot better if they'd have just had a little bit of a break between those uh, epilogues. And can I just say, mm. Ban Affleck, how thin is he right now? You know, if those are recent reshoots with Martian Manhunter, wow. <laughs> he looked good. He, he did look good. I, I agree with you there. Yeah, and I, I, I echo the point. It sort of it felt like it was a comma or a dash rather than like a full stop. And I think that's what's probably, with me, the way I rationalised it, I was like, okay, that's really meant to be a post credit scene without it being one. And that's how I kind of explained it to Megan. And obviously, you know, Megan's not in the, the world and stuff much either. So it was... I think that was just one of those times where, yeah, it could have benefited, but it definitely didn't take away from the film. I would say with Jared Leto's Joker, I think he did better. For me, I enjoyed his performance more, but there were a couple of lines of dialogue where I didn't catch what he said, in a sense, because he's kind of you know, either mumbling or doing his Joker voice, whatever. And I, I missed the odd bit, and it took away from the actual whole thing. So I need to go back and basically listen to their full conversation. But I remember him, I think, yelling, I'm going to kill you or something. Um, but before, I have got two other things to uh, complain about. But I've been saying a lot of words in the, in the last 10 minutes. So Chris, Max, or Steve, um, any sort of things that you would either tweak or adjust? I think Chris hasn't said anything for a while, so let's go with you first. Um, I'm going to have to go pretty soon, Mike, as well, because I've got me up so early. Okay, sorry, guys. Yeah, yeah, no um, worries. I feel awful, actually. I'll, I'll cut in now, Mike. I feel awful, Mike, because Steve's favourite scene was probably mine, the one that got you the most, Steve, and I feel terrible, was the singing with Aquaman. I was so, I, I remember I was watching it. I had my phone, and I sort of looked up, and I was like, oh, she's singing. Oh, what the hell's going on here? And And that took it away, and I wasn't, necessarily impressed with a lot of the CGI with um, Diana's people when they were fighting at the start. That really, I thought that was pretty uh, bobbins, as in, I just didn't think it was very good. However, I will say what Dave just said about the epilogue. I didn't mind what they did, 
I didn't necessarily think it was necessary. However, if they'd put it after the credits, that would certainly imply that you're going to make another film. So I think because they were trying to put everything, I'm just thinking about it now, Dave, because I know we've talked about this a few times, but I think um, deconstructing it now, if they put that at the end of the credits, people straight away are going to go, oh, well, that's it then. We're on for another film because that's how Marvel do it. Even the X-Men and people like that, they, they, they were all infiltrated in their movies. Maybe that's why, just thinking out loud, that's why they did that, just to say this is what we were going to do. But full stop, it's done. It's a really good point. I don't know whether that's why they did it, but that may be one of the reasoning behind it. But I think there was just them two bits that took it. And I'm so sorry, Steve, because I know you like say it was, it was a good point for you. But are you apologising? Everyone's allowed to like what they like and don't like what they don't. No, but it means so much. Yeah, so so I, th- I think he's one of them that I didn't like that. And there is a scene that I know I still, even in the first one, it, I just don't understand it, is the Diana scene at the start. I know you said you liked it, Mike. And um, I just don't think it fits with, I don't know, I just something's off about that scene. But I love Diana. I love the music. That Wonder Woman music is amazing. In the first movie... Oh, I love that. And when she comes in Batman v Superman and says the day and, and Bruce looks at, at Clark and goes, is she with you? You know, and all that. And I love all that. I love that music. It's brilliant. But that scene's just, there's something just off and I can't work out what it is. Which, which scene do you mean? The bank one, Dave. I know what the all thing right, is, because okay. it's actually my biggest problem with the whole film, funnily enough. It's literally, it's this one tiny thing, Okay. She goes in the bank. She saves everyone. There's a bomb. She, I think, throws it really high into the sky, if I remember. Lands back down. One guy in front of her. She could punch him. She could kick him. She could lasso him. She does this with her bracelets, which, yeah, it looks cool. But it destroys the entire building, which is literally what she stopped the bomb from doing, apart from, obviously, people didn't die. But I was just like, I looked at her and I was like, and Megan looked at me and said, why the hell did she do that? I was like... I don't really know because there's one guy left. She just took out everyone. He's about a foot away from her. I know he had the gun and stuff, but it's like, you see how quick she could move. She could very easily have like swatted him or something. But I was just thinking when she did that, yeah, it looked cool, but it broke everything and thinking, what about all that broken glass? Like, yeah, surely the shockwave's going out, but did no one get hurt by any of those bits? That was the one part of the whole film where I was like, didn't like that. Seemed unnecessary. See, you and I, Mike, have chose the same same sequence because it, it's a few scenes together i don't know if you guys have ever seen team america mm, i love it's it. on by matt stone and trey parker and there's a bit at the opening and then <laughs> they leave paris absolutely decimated crumb in bits and on fire and they're like yay we stopped the terrorists <laughs> <laughs> it's all reminded me a little bit like that and you've whizzed through it quite quickly there mike but i i I honestly thought this was a, a Joss Whedon scene, this bit, because when, right, they've got kind of a, a, a bit of a silver age motivation for me. So this group of reactionary terrorists want to blow up one single bank and they think that's going to send the world back to the dark ages. I don't get that, but old Roose Bolton, I, I don't need to get it. But did you notice we get a bit of uh, a different theme? So we get the classic kind of Wonder Woman, you know, the, you know, the drums. And I completely agree that that's the best bit of BVS. That is when she comes in and that theme tune pounding. But in this one, we had more of a 300 kind of inspired 
bit of a high pitched wailing, like, uh, you know, sounded like Tarzan that, but <laughs> you know, it, it, it was like a high pitched wailing. And, and to me, that was really overused, but, <laughs> to me, once she throws the bomb away, it's not the fact that she blows the side of the building off. Because in the original, you just see it cut to white. So you don't actually know what's happening here. You know that she's disintegrated this guy. It, it, you just get his hat floating down. You see the whole building smashed, you know, <laughs> when she could have easily gone and taken him out. But it's the little whirling dervish thing that she does so she goes down she saves the first person with her bracelets and then the way triangles work i'm sure it's as easy for her to go and take out that guy as it is to do this spinny russian dancing whirling dervish thing and save everyone and for me it looks terrible it really in the original it jarred with me and and i was hoping it would be out in this one but yeah for me that I, I would change that bit myself. Fair enough. Um, okay, well, we're getting towards the end here. I know, Chris, you've got to go. So I, I didn't know if you want to say your very last thoughts and you can jet and then we'll have a little bit of time to talk <laughs> and then because I don't want to make you rush or anything. No, I just want to say thanks, uh, everyone, tonight. Max, it's good to meet you, Steve, as well. You're going to have to get me on your show. And Mike, Starman. Great to finally talk to you, Chris, mate. Loved it. Yeah, thank you, mate. Good to meet you properly. And, and Obviously, Dave, uh, I'll see you tomorrow. Well, everyone else, <laughs> it's been fantastic. <laughs> uh, you can call me and see you next Tuesday, Dave. It's fine. Um, yeah, it's all right. If we're not abusing each other, it's what's friendship for. But no, no, I think <laughs> I think it's been great tonight. And there's plenty of stuff I wanted to talk about um, further from that. But obviously, time constraint has, has done me. Great film, great discussion. Even the nitpicking is not going to stop me from buying this. I, I really will. And I've got to go back and watch it again now because of the original Jimmy Olsen being there and I didn't even see it. Max and Steve, you've done me both. So thank you so much. And Mike, Starman, when are we doing another watch through of something else? You know, we, we've got to get it going. <laughs> we'll be able to figure something out. I mean, Fast and Furious, I think, was somewhere on the list. So I'll either have to watch that yes. when Meg goes to bed or I'll have to try and convince her. But <laughs> we can sort something. You know me. I'm always happy to talk. Well, well, if we ever do Fast and Furious, the longest runway ever is in that movie. And I yeah. think it's in Fast 6 or 7. I was at the cinema for that. Ridiculous. So what we were saying about this being four hours long, that <laughs> sequence at the end is ridiculous. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> no, I've got to go. But thank you, everyone, for having us on. And uh, it's been a great chat. Cheers, mate. Awesome. See Pleasure. Ya. See you later, Chris. See Take care, mate. Awesome. Awesome. So obviously we are getting near the end anyway, guys. So there's not going to be a huge, huge amount to say, but I thought um, uh, we're just kind of interested to hear what you guys thought of um, sort of Max and uh, Steve. The epilogues themselves, obviously you said that the um, uh, you really, really enjoyed them or anything. I think, is there anything else to add on the epilogue thing? And then if not, move on to the final point. But I just want to double check with you two. Um. No, I think I said what I wanted to say about about both of them. Those, those are like probably my two favourite scenes of the movie. Um, mm -hmm. I think they are the ultimate sort of appetite wetter for more things to come. Um, and it does surprise me that if Warner Brothers were so adamant that they would indulge Schneider to make this film and put it out um, and, you know, effectively then tell him to go away and move forward with how they want to do things, it does surprise me that they would 
permit for these to go into and, and allow him to shoot this fresh footage to go into this ending, knowing that it would only stoke the fire of an already pretty roaring inferno of people who want the, the whole Snyderverse restored. So that does kind of find me a bit of an odd decision from Warner Brothers. Um, but I'm glad they exist. I, I think they're really good. Um, and, you know, I love to see stuff like that. You know, I'm a big fan of, in, in the comics, I'm a big fan of Elseworlds books and things like that, where you see characters in different situations outside of normal continuity and normal status quo so just to even to get a glimpse of that future even if we don't ever get to see it in full flight um maybe we will maybe we won't never say never i guess but just to see it for me was was a massive thrill yeah everything max said absolutely 100 in agreement but to touch on your point mike with deathstroke Obviously, remember that when this was made, this was going to lead into Ben Affleck's solo Batman movie, which was going to feature Deathstroke as the villain. So this was going to be the leading for one of Batman's greatest enemies and who in this version they allude to, he's the responsible for Deathstroke losing his eyes. That already gives you a, a hook into this film like, oh, wow. And with Deathstroke knowing who Batman is, that's a hook to drag you into the Affleck movie, which sadly will now never be. But apart from that, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't change a thing apart from the nightmare sequence being after the credits, but everyone's had a very solid argument as to why it wasn't. So there you go. I can totally see that as well now. Do we think the the Joe Mangiello... Oh, I can never get his name right. Joe Mangiello. Right. Mm -hmm. He was brought back for reshoots, though. So this mm. is a new scene, isn't it? The nightmare scene is, yes. The nightmare the scene. On the boat, when, yeah. On the boat, that's an old scene? To be on the boat was in the Justice League. Yeah, it was at the post-credit oh, scene. Right, yeah, okay. Justice but League. the dialogue's completely different. Um, Joss Whedon redid the dialogue for that scene. Um, we need a league of our own, and obviously the Injustice League or Legion of Doom, whatever they want to call themselves that week. The dialogue's completely different in both scenes, but that is in the Joss Whedon cut as well. Yeah. The the he doesn't tell him who no, Batman is in that cut, though, does he? No. No, he doesn't. Uh, he'd have been, yeah, so he'd have been brought back for the nightmare scene, yeah, yeah, yes, right. but you know, it's the mohawk and a different hairstyle, yeah, and and the British accent, obviously, for Mira, for some, reason. I actually thought that was better because <laughs> I actually thought her acting in Aquaman was shockingly bad, but in this with the British accent, it actually gave her a bit more gravitas. But hey, it doesn't look like we're ever going to see her again, so <laughs> no. we'll see. I, I think with, with what CW have done with the whole crisis on infinite earths i i think they they have left the door open really i mean one of the one of the greatest one of the legacies that i think that snyder's left is that if anything he's shown that you can make movies with people that aren't called batman and superman because it seems for a long time you know, yeah, Warner yeah. Brothers didn't realize that actually, you know what, you've got all these toys to play with and they keep making Batman and Superman movies. And so I think, you know, he's done a lot. I think CW have done a lot to show, wow, look, you've got all these toys to play with. You don't have to keep making, you know, singular Batman movies and singular uh, Superman movies. So I could see they could make an animated series, animated movie, or another movie that kind of loosely follows on from this storyline, you know, with with Deathstroke and, and the nightmare scene and all that. It just won't be precisely, you know, a tightly knit uh, quadrology or, or 
whatever you want to call it. Well, I'll say um, the last thing, the, the last point, bullet point I've got is what do we think is the future of not only the DCEU, but the potential Snyderverse, that sort of thing. But just a tiny bit before that, I'll say with the whole uh, post-credit thing, my last thoughts on the on the epilogue is the way I've kind of viewed it. And I say for anyone else who's listening, who basically maybe felt the way I did in a sense, which is just a bit jarred by it or like, oh, I didn't get that. I didn't get that. I didn't get that. The amount of people I know, myself included, who watched the post credit scene at the end of Infinity War and saw the Captain Marvel logo come up on Nick Fury's thing and had no fucking idea what the hell that meant. I imagine the majority of people, especially because Captain Marvel is not like she's not up there with the the most of the famous ones. You know, you have to be quite a comic fan to kind of get into that sort of meat. So I kind of look at it in that way that when I saw Infinity War, I wasn't like, I didn't know who that what that symbol was. Fuck this movie. So I feel like with this, it was like wasn't a fan maybe of the nightmare stuff but i didn't get it because i don't have the understanding of that source material and therefore i accept that that in the similar ways that a lot of post-credit scenes are that was for the air quotes diehard fans they're the ones for the you know people who read the comics so i think that yeah apart from maybe a little bit of shaving here and there maybe maybe cut if this film shave a bit off you know i'd say for me i think you'd be pushed to cut out half an hour but i'd say the half an hour would be like oh, this scene is 10 minutes long. Let's shave 30 seconds off this. Let's, oh, that scene where Ezra Miller's staring at the hot dog, you know, let's cut that by two seconds. I think if you did that across the whole film, you could probably shave it a bit, but I don't think there's any major parts that are like, oh, this scene needs cutting. Because even the singing bit, which I know people online have said about, that doesn't, I don't even think that's a minute. So it's just like, it's not like it's there for five minutes and you're just there for watching this. It's not that long. So final sort of thoughts here then and the future of the DCEU. Now I want to say, I want to throw something out there, um, which is what I would love, which would be really interesting. I don't think it's there yet and I don't think it'd be for decades, but what would be incredible would be a live action Elseworlds thing, which would be, imagine that, what that uh, post credit scene was about, where you get like, Elseworlds movies I don't think they'll do that for an incredibly long period of time because most of the main audience if they see a film where you know Batman's mum has become uh, the Joker and things like that people would be far too confuzzled I know that's like Flashpoint Elseworlds stuff but you know what I mean like those sort of things so Aside from that, what do people think is going to happen with the DCEU and what do people want to happen? Uh, Who wants to go first? (laughs) I would like to see some form of continuation of this. I mean, in a lot of ways, people are like, oh, restore the Snyderverse, give us Justice League 2, give us Justice League 3, give us more Cavalier Superman, blah, blah, blah. In a way, the Snyderverse does kind of still exist anyway, because Jason Momoa is still Aquaman in a thriving franchise. Gal Gadot is still Wonder Woman, same situation. Ezra Miller is still The Flash, and uh, The Flash movie is finally going to start filming this year in London, by all accounts, so that's happening. And in said film, Ben Affleck is going to play Batman again. So it's not as though they've completely thrown the baby out with the bathwater. The, the Snyderverse and the characters that he cast, uh, his act, his actors that he put in those roles are still playing those roles moving forward. I mean, it, it looks for all intents and purposes like Ray Miller's burnt, Ray Miller, Ray Fisher has burnt his bridges with Warner Brothers because he seems to be tweeting about them every second God sends. But, you know, that's its own story. And I applaud him for his moral stance and the things he said and done about what's gone on behind the scenes there. But that's a that's a whole other show. But the Snyderverse does kind of still exist. So I want to see these actors continue in these roles because we've, we've just watched a four hour film and 
no one has a bad word to say about the performances in this film, do they? If people want to nitpick certain things, they, people tend to nitpick about the running time. People want to nitpick about Snyder's directorial style. People want to nitpick about the CGI, blah, blah, blah. But I don't see anyone saying anything negative about the actors and their performances. Um, and I think they've been expertly cast. So I'm glad to see that that's still going to carry on, whether or not, we ever see Snyder's fingers on another DC um, production again, film-wise production, remains to be seen. I mean, I know they're saying the answer is no from this interview that the Warner Media CEO has given, but then, like many people have said, we never thought we'd have this Snyder cut release, but here, and here we are. So I think you can never say never. And at the end of the day, Warner seem to be tone deaf when it comes to giving people what they want, but the release of this has proved that they at least have partial hearing when it comes to that. So we'll see. Um, but I'm all for them branching out and giving us more weird and wonderful characters as well. Some of the more peripheral characters that aren't the household names that people know and love. Give it me all, you know, I'll, I'll watch anything they put out, you know, good, bad or ugly, good, bad or indifferent. It doesn't matter. I'll give it a go at least. So as long as we're getting something, I'm happy with that, but I would like to see, what we've witnessed at least evolve and move forward with this batch of characters and actors. Nicely put. I think, I think, unfortunately, yes. <laughs> I'm sure you guys know, I, I think Batfleck, uh, as Jane Silent Bob would say, is a motherfucker. Uh, you know, I think he's the best Batman for me. I know he's not had his own movie, but he is Frank Miller's Batman for me. He's just got that Damn physical... Straight presence and uh, it's yep. just a shame yep. and i i kind of totally. i've got a, a sliver of hope that he'll kind of come around but i know he's got all his personal life issues and I, I don't think that'll happen i think it's such a shame to throw that away so we're gonna see um obviously the the, the next batman movie who knows if that will tie into this at all i, I don't think it will so it feels like a reboot um Obviously, Ray Fisher, I can't see that he is is going to come back. I agree with you, Max, and especially now, having seen, you know, all the things that he was part of, I, I just can't see him ever working with Warner Brothers again. You know, now Joss Whedon has gone out of the picture. He's like, right, he's out of the way. Now, these other motherfuckers, they, these were the ones, you know. So, unfortunately, Cyborg is gone as well. Although I do like the cyborg in Doom Patrol, I have to say it's slightly yeah. different representation. Yeah, fantastic. Um so I don't He's know. Great, I, I'm, I have to say we we've yeah, spoken he, about different emotional beats. As a parent, I got quite choked up and, and even now thinking back to it, getting a little bit choked up, the bit at the end, um where it says for autumn yeah yeah mm. completely that is a a very emotional thing especially because when i was explaining to megan she because she asked when it all sort of got you know wind and things she was like why is there a snyder cut and i was like guys emotional to even talk about and it's yeah one of those things where in a silver lining i'm very happy that the amount of positivity around you know the actual film or the production itself yeah the film the it never makes anything worth it. That's not a way to look at things. But obviously with how I've lived my life, I have to try and look at silver linings. And I think this is like a real silver lining situation, which it doesn't make any of the hardship he went through worth it. But I think that if that hadn't happened, 
we wouldn't have got this cut. We would have probably got something closer to the Whedon's cut. And I want to reiterate, there's no way making anything worth it. But the silver lining is, at least with the amount of hardship that Snyder went through, the end product here is, by all means, it is brilliant. You know, whether or not you're a massive DC fan or you're not, I think the worst someone could say about this is it's okay and it's a bit long. I think that's... Mm-hmm. I don't see how anyone could really watch this and go, God, this film was mm-hmm. shit. Because I, I don't... Mm. If you're going into a four-hour-long DC movie with all of these characters, I don't know how you could see that and things. So I want to ask that, uh, Steve, uh, what do you sort of think of maybe the future? Uh, or what do you hope for in, in the future if there's anything additional? I have to say that both Dave and Max hit the nail on the head in terms of the fact that the DCEU is still alive and kicking, whether Zack Snyder is a part of it or not. But let's not forget, he has been executive producer on the Wonder Woman movies. Um, He has still got some say. And these are the characters he brought. I mean, particularly with Batman, Superman and Wonder Woman, they started in his film. They started in Batman versus Superman. And even though he may not be directing the films himself, if he's still around as a producer, he's got some clout. And I'm sorry, but as a filmmaker, particularly after this film, I'm sure that whoever does come on board, if they do make another Justice League movie down the road, or with the films that are coming up with New Gods, with Tom King and Ava DuVernay, that film I am now dying for, particularly as we've seen that they can do a fantastic dark side, Desaad and Granny Goodness on screen. I cannot wait to see what they pull out of the book and whether Zack Snyder's vision here will be part of that, whether it be influenced that in any way so whoever does come on board to do dc movies i'm sure they'll be inspired or they'll take something from them so i do see a future if we do actually see a snyderverse well the dc animated universe has just been rebooted they've started a brand new taken stories of the last superman movie um like max said elseworlds parallel realities is something i adore marvel are going to do it with their what if series in animation please lord let dc do it in an elseworlds type scenario because i think that would be amazing mm. and one of the things that i've i've noticed sort of two things here of what the future you know i'm, I'm very excited for the the batman that's coming out next year with robert patterson i think that robert patterson is a really underrated actor in twilight he's pretty crap but i i've seen all the twilight films he's now they're not great <laughs> yeah, exactly. And to be fair, the first Twilight film is actively atrocious, but the other ones, I've seen the next three. I haven't seen the very last one because I was watching it with my niece and then lockdown. So, oh no, I haven't seen Breaking Door Part 2. What will I do? Um, but they're not <laughs> terrible, terrible. They're like, his acting is not the worst part about the film. It's definitely not the best, but still. I have faith. I've seen Pats and other things. I think he's, he's going to do a good job and I hope he does. Um, but what I'm hoping with, because I love Batfleck as well. Um, I really liked Christian Bale's um, Batman and I think that Christian Bale's Batman films, I enjoy the films more than the Snyder trilogy, personally. However, I think that, yeah, the Batman, the Batfleck, well, I keep saying Batfleck, Ben Affleck, the one that he is on screen is absolutely brilliant. I think the suit looks great. I think he does a great Bruce Wayne and great Batman and things. And I think that, yeah... Christian Bale, I think he's great Bruce Wayne, maybe, but not as good of a Batman. I don't know. That's a that's a preview for another show that we're going to have on Comics and Motion <laughs> down the future. But what I would love is if they did something almost like what uh, Star Wars did with Solo, which is almost Robert Pattinson is the young Batman and Batfleck is the old Batman. And you can kind of have these two sort of uh, stories going on and they, they don't cancel each other out. They are actually canon to each other. What would be really cool would be if they don't tell anyone that, 
maybe they make a you know a couple of Robert Pattinson movies and then they make another one and then there's some sort of thing where you've got maybe the post credit scene is Batman as Batfleck, you know, kind of mulling it over and looking over and even seeing a picture of himself younger and it's Ron Patterson. Like, so I'd love that connective tissue because I think that the one story I would love to see is something that I think the Joker referenced in the nightmare post-credit scene thing and also it was referenced in batman vs superman which is you get robin's suit covered in ha 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 and i think that is referencing the death in the family comic i would presume um so obviously where joker kills one of the robins if no it's been out for a very long time people should know but just in case let's not spoil which which <laughs> of the few um but i would love to see the story of that and I, I would love to see it done in a way where even if it had I'm getting wrapped up my own ideas now maybe like a current situation where it's got like batfleck and then him talking to someone, maybe Damien Wayne or something, about the Robin he lost. It does flashbacks and has Robert Patterson there dealing with Jared Lee's joke or whatever and the death of that Robin. And then it brings it forward to then how it goes forward. That I think would be really cool. Um, and then also bouncing off a little bit off that was what I think Max said, which is uh, some, or maybe Steve, one of the weird and wonderful characters in the DC uh, universe. Obviously, there's hundreds, if not thousands of millions of characters, God knows. What I would say is if anyone's a bit like, oh, I don't know if that would work. Here's what didn't work, what people thought wouldn't work. Guardians of the Galaxy, one of the most popular of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Probably one of the funniest ones and a brilliant film for, you know, families or individuals. They're cracking and they're they're comic book characters that majority of audiences hadn't heard of. So I think that if they do get into the weird and wonderful and there's been that Zatanna has been announced, there's a film being made about her as well, which I only knew about her because of superheroes for dummies. I'm so happy. (laughs) So I think they can really do it. So, um... I don't know if I asked you, Dave. I forget. Uh, have I, what about you? What do you want sort of for the future? I think I, I want Warner Brothers to take a, a look at themselves because we, we've seen this kind of behavior. And, yes. and you see it from the huge studios that, that they don't know what they've got. And we saw it with the Tim Burton verse. Let's, let's call it that. So after Batman returns and they were trying to sell toys at McDonald's and then they realized that penguin was <laughs> biting people's noses off and stuff They <laughs> they got, they pushed the eject button and then we got Batman forever straight after that. You know, we went back to six, Batman 66, like the committee, the focus group, this is what, oh, this is what we need to do. We need to get back to this because people who love Batman, they, they love Adam West. And, and, you know, we need to get back to that. I think I, I hate making the parallels to Marvel because I think in the comic world, you had these two big boys. In the movie world, those big boys aren't big boys anymore. <laughs> those are still small boys, you know. So there is lots and lots of movie space for, for both, and I enjoy both. Um, but you look at Kevin Feige, right? When Iron Man came out in 2008, no one knew who Kevin Feige was. No one knew that he had a pivotal role. No one knew who Iron Man was. Well, that's it. Yeah. Um, I, I liked him from the old roller skates days myself. But <laughs> <laughs> but um, no one knew he had a pivotal role in the X-Men 2000 movie. You know, it, he was, again, you know, this massive geek who just got all the toys and he was helping, you know, he worked himself up from a junior position. I, I think Warner Brothers, if they could have an architect, whether that's Snyder, whether it's someone else, but an architect who sits over and has oversight over the directors. So it, it ties together in this overall vision. I like the fact that, you know, post Justice League 2017, they kind of flipped the pendulum the other way and said, you know what? 
we're going to focus on individual movies and that's okay and that's great we've seen things like you know i loved wonder woman liked aquaman uh joker was brilliant even though i think it is king of comedy essentially um but they did their own thing and i think they almost whoever it was behind the scenes was thinking this is a time boxed thing this comic book thing in the movie space is you know we have to jump on the bandwagon right now i don't think that's the case because you can tell lots of diverse stories so it's still going to be here for a long time i just think to satisfy let's say the joker you know the one-off films that you can watch enjoy that's it go away and and forget about it i i I want that part of my palette to be uh satisfied and i also want the continuity as well so i I want both things i want everything (laughs) i want great dc movies i want great marvel movies i want continuity i want standalones i want everything but i think i would like to see with the next batman movie that everything isn't thrown out. And so I think it's a great idea. Maybe you have, you know, this, this younger Batman and that's, that's what we've heard, isn't it? There's, I think that's what it's going to be, you know, cause we've, we've seen kind of ninja Batman in Batman begins, you know, in, in, uh, getting his kind of uh, martial arts training, you know, his ninjutsu training, but we haven't really seen detective batman too much in the movies you know how he's honed his skills there so i hope that we're going to see that so we're going to see something different i'll be tempted to jump out of the window if i see uh you know the the waynes getting killed in crime alley again (laughs) but you know i'll go with it if it does happen um so yeah i i I, like say i have i answered your question i want it all (laughs) Touching on everyone's points, I do want to say that Max, Dave and Mike, you've all said something brilliant in regards to the way it could continue. But let's not forget, let's have a quick look about a year ago to, like you said, Dave, the CW shows. The Crisis on Infinite Earths brought in Ezra Miller's Flash face to face with Grant Gustin's Flash. So we know that the whole multiverse thing is a thing and because it involved not just the tv versions of the characters but the movie versions now anything is blown wide open and is possible and the fact that now the dc multiverse is an omniverse or a metaverse where every single story from 1940 to 2021 happened and now fans can literally pick their history as their own canon and nothing is right and nothing is wrong so continuity buffs can tie it all together any way they want. That's me, Dave, and Max sorted. But now anyone could pick up a DC comic, fall in love with it, and that could be their history. That's what I want for the DC TV and movie universe going forward. And with the fact that they've introduced that aspect in the TV shows and thrown Ezra Miller in there, hey, now anything at all is possible, I think. Anything. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely wonderful. It's it's an exciting time. You know, with, with Marvel, they're getting to the next phase and with obviously Doctor Strange being Multiverse of Madness, that's a very exciting time in the Marvel What If stuff and they're delving into the series. That's an exciting time there. Obviously in Star Wars, we had the... Uh, controversial a sequel trilogy um which we're not going to go into here but then we had the mandalorian which was kind of like it's weird we've had a lot of these 
sort of moments in a sense you know it's it's strange because like with marvel was a sort of almost different because you had the marvel in the early 2000s with you know x-men and um spider-man which were brilliant but then you also had daredevil that was critically panned and then electra let's not talk about that one uh and then you've got hulk which obviously i know steve you like and things but it was generally not critically acclaimed so you've got all this up and down quite a lot but it seems like marvel figured out a bit quicker maybe but what i do want to see is more people who love the source material making the fucking content okay i haven't even got vested interest in dc stuff you know i have not read that many comics most of them been recommended by the steve or max so probably only about 10 of them but i'm slowly getting in there when dc infinite comes i'm going to be delving into all kinds of crazy shit justice league dark all kinds of stuff i know i've got loads of plans but like what I want is just, yeah, people with Mandalorian. Mandalorian succeeded because Dave Filoni and John Favreau actually fucking like Star Wars. They've read the old school yep. stuff. They could use elements they liked. So they brought it in along with new ideas. That's how you make a good movie. The movie has to be a combination of new, exciting ideas that are accessible enough, but co- but also don't just shit on the source material. And you'd think that isn't that hard to do you would hope it's not actually that hard but they seem to fuck it up so many times so i just want them to not do that to keep messing things up and i think if someone like Zack snyder or or steve from superheroes for dummies or fantastic universes if he was at the top just as you guys kind of said like if there's someone who has not only an interest in the film itself but actually has a personal connection to the comics and source material and wants to make a good movie because they want to. And that's what I think Zack Snyder does. I think he wants to make a good movie. Um, and that's what he did. Whereas I think sometimes a filmmaker's like, I'm getting paid to do this. Let's get it done. And then it's like, there's no soul in that. That I want that, you know? Can I just jump in there? Because I, I think one of the things that Snyder does and, and that, you know, gets people so behind him, visually, I don't think, I, I can't think of another director that, presents what you see on the page better on the screen no. you look at 300 that's frank miller's 300 100%. you look at watchman i can't imagine if any other director took it i can't imagine you could ever get a more watchman like representation on the screen i think that opening montage in watchman is possibly one of the best montages that there's ever been. I, I just think it's fantastic. So that's that's why Absolutely. he gets this devotion from people. And I think I think in the past there's been this snobbery from writers in Hollywood, quite honestly, that you know, comic books are seen as this lower art form. And so, you know, someone who's been a comic book writer, well, they can't possibly mix in our space. You don't know how to make movies, you know. So I'll take the essence of what you've done. Okay, what are the what are the main things? Okay, bit by a radioactive spider, uh, has these powers. Okay, got it. Right. I'll write my story now. Whereas one of the, you know, evolutions that I've seen in the last probably more so the this recent decade. I, I want to say 20 years, but I think it's more so the last 10 years. You've seen this migration from, you know, taking the voices from the original creators who know and love the content, know and love the characters. And what the best films do is they bring the essence of what was on the page. So not panel for panel, you know, but what was driving them to do that? And so I think I'm hopeful that that we're going to continue to get better content uh, just because it seems like Hollywood has embraced a little bit more the original creators than, than they ever did before. 
Yeah, I think Snyder treats the source material with such reverence, and I think that's why he has yes, a very passionate fan base. I think you know I can understand why people don't like his style of filmmaking. I can perfectly see why it isn't for everyone, and I'm not going to criticize anyone who doesn't like him because it's all subjective anyway. It doesn't matter, but he, you can see he really does respect the source material like you've said Dave 300 and Watchmen and what he's done with the three DC films that he's directed he takes it damn seriously you know he doesn't treat it as a fun romp you know mm. he, he said himself and I read a recent interview where he said that he could in his his mind when DC is starting off with this universe and here he was sort of you know putting it together he knew that they couldn't compete with Marvel in terms of where they'd gone and in terms of marvel films are like action and comedy and it's done to an extremely high level beautifully put together like flawless creations and he said i knew if we tried to go down that road it just wouldn't work we couldn't compete with them we'd be left dead in the water so what i tried to do was to create them almost as like modern day mythology and you know these are like the gods of the gods of ancient Greece, the gods of ancient Rome, but in a modern day setting, this is as close as you're going to get. So he was trying to make it look epic and make it look like this huge mythology, not trying to compete with what Marvel, because you, you can't compete with Marvel. They're, they're, so, they're a juggernaut and what they do, they do it better than anybody else. So that's what he was trying to do and treating that those books with such respect and giving the characters the respect they deserve and trying to do them seriously. I mean, not deadly po-faced, you know, you got to have some humor in there too, but just treating them with utter, you know, reverence and, and, and just giving them a platform that hadn't really been done before. Um, and you know, some people like it, some people don't, it's fine, whatever. But, you know, I, for one, I'm a, I'm a big fan of what he's done and, and I will just hope there is a, a future where we get to see a little bit more in whatever format, that takes but um whether we do or we don't remains to be seen i guess and warner Can brothers I if you're listening as... um sorry, yeah. Dave, if warner brothers if you're listening to what mike said if you do want to hire one of us we'll do it gladly we'll do it well and for a third of what you pay those other fuckers so warner brothers if you're listening <laughs> um we're here <laughs> yeah um Guys, I'm really sorry. I'm going to have to jump off in a minute. It's It's gone 10 and I think Sarah needs the bedroom because she's up at like be up before six in the morning. So <laughs> no, I, I really am going to have to dive off in a minute. I'm really sorry. That's fine. No I was just going to say, Max, uh, just a final thought from me. I think actually, what surprised me in this movie was there was quite a lot of humor. Yeah. But it wasn't like a Joss Whedon, yes. like silly, you know, I, I mean, some of the lines uh, from Whedon over the years, the, the worst one for me is still X-Men 2000. You know, what happens to Toads when they get hit by lightning? Same thing that happens to any, everyone mm. else. <laughs> He's got lots of uh, Whedonisms in his locker there. But I liked the humor in this Snyder Cut because it just felt within the universe. Yeah. It didn't feel jarring. It didn't feel like Flash saying, what is brunch? You know, what, what is just a weird out of context. It didn't feel like, you know, Batman suddenly cracking jokes. You know, it, it just felt in that universe. So I, I, I did really appreciate the humor in this movie. 
So we'll wrap up now then. Well, Max, you can say your uh, things first and say the final thoughts where people can find you and then you can dip out the call and we'll finish everything else off. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Yeah. Well, it's kind of given me final thought then, I think. That was kind of yeah. like my last word on it. So, um, yeah, if anyone wants to find me on social media, you can find me on Twitter at Maxi Byrne, which is M-A-X-Y-B-Y-R-N-E. Uh, go there. There's links to the various websites I write reviews and articles for. Check them out. And, of course, there's a links to the wonderful Comics in Motion uh, podcast page where you're hearing this show and the litany of wonderful shows that come uh, via that feed so by all means do spin around say hi and um i'll see you down the road wonderful awesome max thanks so much for coming on it was great chatting with you all right nice one guys i'll speak i'll speak to you you. speak to you in a bit all right and then there were three um right so we'll start to wrap up then i guess are there any sort of final things you guys want to say that we haven't already covered before we do the goodbyes I, I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> I think the okay. So what we've not really spoke, we we've spoken within the context of almost like the, the DC universe, and 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 when I say the DC universe, I mean everything that's gone back to you know the 1940s Batman serial that we saw, you know, kind of where all the things that have gone before to bring us to today, that's the context of the conversation so far. I'm really interested in how this has an impact on filmmaking in general. Hmm. So I know, Steve, you've you've got an opinion on this, that we've seen many examples where the director's cut is generally far superior than the theatrical cut that we got. But studios studios are there to make money, and they've been doing it for a yeah. while. So they've usually got money men involved. They've been doing it for a while, and so they, they work to a particular model, a particular formula that says, oh, you know, it needs to be between this time and that time. And, and what it does, it stifles creativity, but it Absolutely. does maximize the revenue that they're going to get. Yeah, exactly. So I think actually with this being four hours, right, if, if they'd release this in 2017, it doesn't break even <laughs> because, you know, a lot. No, but the original plan was three hours and then a director's cut of three and a half. So. And I think three hours is just about the limit. Yeah, for it, for absolutely. and especially if you're going to drag your spouse along, right? And mm-hmm. I think yeah. that is about <laughs> as long as you. Oh, can... with mine, definitely, you're absolutely yeah. spot on. Mate. Yeah. So I Same. think, but because we're all at home, because we've been through all this lockdown, because we've we've gone through this kind of uh, emotional journey, and and you know, knowing all of the backstory, you know, hearing about what happened with the production and whatever. And if you've got an ounce of empathy, you kind of you you want to be with the creator. You don't want to be mm-hmm. with the faceless suits behind the scenes, you know, pulling the strings. You want the director to see his vision realized. You want the artist to see it on screen. Um, and I just wonder if this is going to have a longer lasting impact on yeah. movie making in general. And I don't know the answer to that. Part of me thinks, you know, it's like going to the music industry. Think of Bohemian Rhapsody, you know, and, and then yeah. basically saying, no, you, you can't possibly release this because it's 
it's got to be three minutes. Can't you cut it down to three minutes? It does have some sort of similar themes, doesn't it? You know, because if you'd have cut that down, wouldn't be the song that it is. Exactly. And it ends up breaking the mold and then changing things after that. So I'm really interested to see how things change beyond comic book movies. Yeah. And does it change? I don't know. I kind of hope it does. Um, but that's a wait and see for me. Hmm. Very well put. Yeah. And just bouncing off that, my last thing will be, yeah, I, I, what I'm hoping is the mixture between this and streaming is, and what obviously lockdown has happened and things. I'm hoping that this will give creators a bit more wiggle room, basically a bit of way to go like, oh, well, we can't afford to spend, you know, 200 plus million on this, put it in the cinema, blah, blah. And they go, okay, that's fine. I need a quarter of that budget. I need one of those fancy VFX screens they've got down at Disney, you know, what they did pretty much all of Mandalorian on. And I need quarter of the staff and I need what six months and I can make you a series that's not a bajillion 24 episodes of a million years long we have eight or ten and they're about just under an hour if what I'm hoping is the Mandalorian the Snyder Cut and the success of the Marvel Cinematic Universe all combined to be like okay the MCU that shows continuity good um, that as in uh, you don't have to have all these films that are so in your face connected it's more so oh this is a solo film right at the end we'll sprinkle a bit you only need 10 films of sprinklings then you can have one film connects them i'm hoping that's the message and the lesson from the avengers movies i'm hoping the snyder cut is let the fucking directors do what they want yes. you know let that happen because generally speaking you're going to make everyone happier and people would rather have a film that is not disjointed that is how it was intended but not that good maybe than a film that's all disjointed and no one really knows what to think about it and that's what i say with batman vs superman not a big fan of that film but i respect it so much more than the original justice league because it knows what it was doing and that from my first watch just wasn't really for me but i'm gonna give it another go and then i think that mandalorian shows as well you know snyder kind of things is the source material if people are passionate about the project even if in certain other aspects like the sequel trilogy things can flop that doesn't mean the franchise is dead it means you're doing something wrong with it it means you're not doing the right thing and i think those three things culminating together which are three things we tackle on this very channel many many over many uh, times mm-hmm. it should be the thing that could do the holy trinity almost of the future so fingers crossed you know we'll hope for the best so with that then it's over two hours long it has been an absolute joy to speak with the now two of you who are left on the gauntlet <laughs> of the snyder cut so we'll do it then we'll say our goodbyes so steve do you want to tell people where they can find you and say any last things First of all, thanks for inviting me on. Dave, Chris, Max, yourself. I love the Comics in Motion family because that's what we are. We bicker, we fight, but the love is still there. And that's just amazing. I wish the internet would stand up and take notice that this is the way you have a discussion. If you agree with someone, respect their opinion. If you disagree with someone, respect their opinion. Brilliant. Thanks, Mike. Loved it. Dave, great to chat to you properly for the first time in a while. But um, as for me, you can hear my dulcet tones on the Superheroes for Dummies show on this very network and on the DC Comics News podcast. And I am the night where my son and I, who is our DJ and mix master for Superheroes for Dummies, where we talk about Batman the Animated Series every week. To read my work, just type Steve J. Ray or Fantastic Universes into your search engine of choice. And that will take you to our news, reviews and interviews across three beautiful websites. But I like to talk just like Mike. So talk to me. On Twitter at El Stevo, E L underscore S T E E V O. And thank you so much, Mike, once again, mate.
<laughs> no problem at all. And Dave, the co-podfather of the Comics Emotion, <laughs> you know, family that you've you've put together, you know, along with the cousin podcasts, you know, of the DC Comic News and 20th Century Geek and Genuine Chit Chat. Dave, go on. Get us out. <laughs> I, I was kind of thinking of what Steve said about um, Zeus and being a bit promiscuous, um, <laughs> and having all these offspring. Right? Definitely not that. Oh, can I just say? Anything I thought, with a heartbeat, mate. I thought it was. I thought it was Carl Urban for a second. You know, when Zeus showed up, how badass was he, mate? <laughs> <laughs> it's like looking in a mirror. Um, yeah. No, so. <laughs> You've no, got better hair than him. I, I absolutely echo what Steve said there. It's been brilliant because, you know, I, I've, I haven't been a fan of, I wasn't a fan of Man of Steel. I'm much happier, quite honestly, with Superman rescuing a cat from a tree. Christopher Reeve is my Superman. Absolutely love it. Can't, can't listen to that John Williams score without getting goosebumps. It's just an involuntary reaction. I, I just, I just love that original kind of seventy-eight, and and obviously what came after Superman. But um, yeah, just I, I love having that discussion and the back and forth and debate, and we don't all have to agree, you know, but respect all people's opinions. And and I'll be a bit more unkind than Stephen to say, you know, hashtag don't be a dick. You know, that is quite easy. Just don't be a fucking knob. And, uh, you know, we can all have a great discussion and love what we love and not like what we don't like. There you go. It's that easy. So, no, it has been brilliant. I'm so, again, I, I did get a bit emotional earlier. I'm so, so happy that Zack Snyder has got his vision realized and he's been through that turmoil. And you only have to look at some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. That that was a family as well. When those guys were working together, that wasn't they weren't turning up for a paycheck. They were loving it. And, and I think unfortunately, what happened after he left the project, you know, was probably so jarring that we're still seeing the ramifications of that now. So no, it's it's been absolutely brilliant. And whether it's a full stop and a new paragraph. Only time will tell, but, um, you know, again, whatever happens, we'll all be there, won't we? Whether it's good, bad or indifferent, we're, we're all going to watch it and uh, and love it and, you know, or maybe not love it. But anyway, you can get me at the usual places. You can get uh, Chris and myself on the TV and movies show on, on Fridays now. We've moved. Um, so Tony's now occupying the Thursday space. You can get me at the VHS Strikes Back podcast as well uh chris and dave's reality cast we've got a new podcast as well mike from our first early discussion you know we've got podcast projects coming out of our ears so i'm gonna know about this one as well i know about this one as well because you sent me the artwork for it as well so for fuck's sake oh yeah yeah i did didn't i (laughs) I start another one for god's sake because it's not enough and you've got chris with his wrestling gold as well we're, we're kind of the juice of the podcast world we, we're just promiscuous and and like to spread our seed love it <laughs> just put your dick in every type of podcast there is and just, exactly. uh, just the next next up is going to be hey, the comics he's emotion having beautiful children so i'm not going to watch i'd like to think it's a microphone as a part uh, as opposed to another <laughs> appendage but you know <laughs> <laughs> wonderful Awesome. Well, that's pretty much towards the end then. So I'll wrap this up by saying it's been absolutely delightful to vaguely moderate this uh, panel. Um, And it's just been lots of fun to be able to talk to people about the Snyder Cut, because honestly, when it first got vaguely spoken about uh, years ago, when it kind of first heard about it, it didn't really 
make an impact to me. But seeing how passionate people are, especially with Steve and Max, especially with the DC love and things, it's it's one of those things that has made me more excited for it. Because when you see someone else who's so excited for something, you're like, well, they're so excited. There's got to be a reason. And then the more you kind of go into it, like... It's one thing that me and Steve touched upon on a podcast um, that I released very recently on Genuine Chit Chat, and that was just because Steve is on every fucking episode of Genuine Chit Chat at the moment. So he's like, <laughs> the last like, two months, it's just been constantly. Um, <laughs> but like, I'm just saying, it's so easy to be an asshole, you know, hashtag yes. don't be a dick. It's so easy Seriously. to yell about everything you don't like, you know? And I understand sometimes when something re- like Rise of Skywalker didn't do it for me in a lot of ways, but I find more joy focusing on the positives than shitting on everything. And I think that this is what. When people aren't dicks to each other and people are nice and get together, this is some of the stuff that the internet can do really well, which is the release of the Slider Cup movement. Although there's been a degree of toxicity around the hashtag itself and certain other aspects, I think that the actual finished product that what people got has done, hopefully it has huge ripple effects onto not only the cinema world, but the comic world and all these things. And I just hope a few people can be a bit less dickish. And it's just been an absolute pleasure to chat with you guys, even though we do have slightly different opinions on the many films and things. It's always a pleasure to talk to people who basically aren't awful to you if you disagree with them. And that's the, one of the best things about being in the Comics and Motion family. Absolutely. So... I am Mike Burton. I host a show, Genuine Chit Chat, that you may be listening to this on because I'm a cheeky bastard, or you may be listening on the Comics in Motion feed, either or. You can find me at Genuine Chit Chat on Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook. I've got a Star Wars Comics in Canon on Comics in Motion. I've got a Patreon where there's another podcast in there. Haha. Um, and I've got loads of other bits and pieces as well. But what I will be sure to do is everyone involved in this wonderful chat and also that YouTube link, that <laughs> that YouTube thing that Chris mentioned ages ago that I've written down, I'm going to try my absolute best to have the show notes of this with everyone's Twitter handles, shows, Steve's 5,000 websites, the 18,000 podcasts between Dave and Chris over the last decade. We're going to have it all. I'm not. I'm going to have most of it. <laughs> but it's been absolutely wonderful chatting with all you guys. I really hope the listeners have enjoyed it as much as we have, and I'm sure they will, but even if they don't, this has just been so much fun to do, both watching the Snyder Cut and chatting with you guys and listening to all the associated podcasts. It's just been wonderful. So, Thank you for inviting me into the family so long ago, Dave. And, you know, thank you for allowing me to vaguely moderate this post. Uh, and it's just been loads of fun. I really appreciate it, guys. So thank you both. Mike, I think you did it justice. See what I did there? <laughs> nice. Wow. You're in a league of your own. Yep. Nice. And I see that Dave has sent me that YouTube link, so there's no excuse not to put it in there. Thanks, Dave. Awesome, awesome. No excuse at all. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Why so serious? <laughs> that is where we're going to end it, because otherwise it's going to come to the, it's way too late for the three of us, and we're all getting a bit overtired, delusional, start doing impressions of everyone. So I'm not going to get my Gollum impression out, guys. Sorry. I'm fat, man. <laughs> That's perfect. Cool. Well, we will end it there. Thanks, guys. Cheers, mate. And that's the end of the podcast. Thanks as always for listening, guys. I really hope you enjoyed this extra special edition. You can thank the guys in Comics in Motion for all of us being involved with this because if I hadn't had this with all those guys, you guys probably would have got a part one and part two episode like standard. Obviously, unless you're a Patreon, and if you are a Patreon, then any episodes that get split into two, you will then get as a whole one episode, which is lots of fun. 
So coming up, I've got a podcast due for recording with Scott Weatherly of the 20th Century Geek. Uh, we're going to talk about H.P. Lovecraft, because last time we came on the podcast, we were intending to talk about H.P. Lovecraft, and then we didn't. We spoke about sci-fi crossovers and stuff like that. Um, so we're going to try again to talk about H.P. Lovecraft. Fingers crossed we can do it this time. Uh, in addition to that, I actually have a podcast recorded with a friend of mine called Glyn. He managed to get me into contact with a gentleman named Dominic Pace. Now, Dominic actually plays a character in Season 1 of The Mandalorian, Episodes 1 and 3, character called Gecko, and it's really interesting hearing him talk on things. So that'll be out probably next week. It's only it's under an hour, so it'll be a really nice, easy one-off one for that. Uh, then probably the week or two after that will be, you know, the one with uh, Scott, 20th Century Geek. Um, I've also got other ones planned for recording. I've got a few sort of in the pipeline and things, but it's been incredibly busy for me, oddly enough, trying to organise XYZ and all kinds of other stuff as well. So there are great things coming. I mean, this episode was one of those great things. So, you know, hope you enjoy it very much. If you got all the way to the end, I presume you did enjoy it. So that's a lot of fun there. Um, in the description, I have also included, you know, the links to well, I've included people's Twitter handles. I've included links to a couple of the other things that people are involved with. And I also put a little thing, which is a little bit cheeky, trying to get you guys to listen to some other episodes, uh, which is everyone in this podcast have appeared on Genuine Chit Chat at some point recently. I mean, Steve has been on recently quite a lot. Um, but with, you know, Dave, Max and Chris, they've all been on at varying times. In fact, episode 89 Chris came on with Scott Weatherly who I was just speaking about so you know you got to make sure you check out a lot of those episodes because we cover a wide amount of ground and what's quite interesting is if you listen to episode 90 um, myself Dave and Max are actually talking about the Snyder Cut and while recording it gets confirmed which is quite mental to think about that and that was in May of last year I think so really fun that we managed to do that as well so really want to say thank you guys for listening and make sure you check those episodes out too in addition to that, I'm going to say, you know, I've got my Patreon. I won't go on about it too much because I always do at the end here. But if you go to patreon.com slash genuinechitschat, where the link is also in the description, uh, then you can actually listen to two episodes on there that are completely free at the moment. Uh, so that is our review of season one of The Witcher, and then also our review of The Phantom Menace, as in Star Wars The Phantom Menace. And we've been doing Star Wars episodes on there. Um, we've recently been doing rewatches of the Captain America trilogy. Uh, we've done Little Miss Sunshine, Watchmen, Queen's Gambit. So we're doing basically any series we watch we're doing it and also most films we watch we're doing it as well and we're trying to do some run-throughs of you know Star Wars MCU all those sorts of things as well Megan's trying to convince me to get us to do the Harry Potter ones as well so you know we only rewatched Harry Potter at Christmas so I'm trying to get a little bit more time before I watch all eight of those films again but at some point there'll be Harry Potter on there too but if you are happy to donate two pounds a month which is also three dollars a month I think you get access to the Patreon feed which has our episodes of Afterthoughts which are currently releasing two a week and they're between 10 and 20 minutes long so that's like 40 minutes a week of extra footage there and then in addition to that whenever I release episodes that are split into part one and part two normally there's extra long episodes I release them on Patreon in one go so you'll get the full unsplit episode without having to wait a week or getting me rambling on either side of each part which does tend to happen then, in addition to that, the last thing is my podcast, Star Wars Comics and Canon. It is on the feed of Comics and Motion, which is the other place you could have listened to this chat. And you get a slightly different intro and slightly different outro on that. So if you really, really want to hear the slightly different variations of me saying these things, go over to Comics and Motion and check out the Snyder Cut episode on there as well. And also, you know, gets the downloads up. Why not? Um, in addition to that as well, you know, as I said, my Star Wars podcast is on there. Episodes come out every Saturday. So, you know, after this is out... 
there'll be it tomorrow there'll be an episode on there and if you're a big fan of star wars if you're a little fan of star wars if you're any kind of fan of star wars if you at the very minimum enjoy the original trilogy then i can say for almost guaranteed that you will enjoy my star wars podcast it's about the comics in star wars many of them time with the movies some explained stuff like how kylo ren got his red lightsaber how c-3po got his red arm what was happening with darth maul you know things like that there's loads of different things i've done character bios i did one about count dooku because in the films you barely get any information about him and then you watch clone wars and you still don't really get that much information about him sort of before the order and things i've done two book reviews now including one of the high republic where i do a big spoiler free review and give you loads of background information on the high republic loads of different aspects of star wars i have tackled and also when i do this conversation with dominic pace which will be released next week that is also going to be on there so you know there's not going to be any interviews that i release to star wars content creators that are going to go on star wars comics and can that won't be on genuine chit chat but a lot of the other conversations i have on there mainly by myself are uh, you know you need to go check them out i know it's me just trying to toot my own horn but i'm very proud of it and a lot of the people that have listened to it have said that it's actually reignited their love of star wars because it's got them excited for it again granted most of them were before mandalorian series 2 came out because let's face it most people had <laughs> their love of star wars reignited by mandalorian series 2 but still there's lots of people have been contacting me saying they've been buying the comics now and entering into that sort of realm so you know check it out and i've also got a q a episode coming up soon so i'll be posting about that on social media so you can ask me questions about star wars and listen to me talk about those too but that is enough of me rambling in this outro thing as i normally do uh thank you guys as always for listening to this episode i really hope you enjoyed it please make sure you go and send love to the guys in comics in motion every single one of them you have to individually tweet them no obviously you don't need to do that but you know any review or tweet or anything mentioned would be very much appreciated anyway guys thank you as always for listening and i'll be talking to you next week <laughs>